All right, folks, we are coming to you from the exchange right here in downtown, beautiful downtown Corpus Christi. It is Wednesday, right? Wednesday, it is Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. First time we did the show on a Wednesday. Didn't we? I think it's the first time we did it on a Wednesday. We usually wow. do it on Sunday or Tuesdays. Yeah, so yeah. wind down Wednesday. Yeah, wind down Wednesday. So what is that? Half off bottles. Half off bottles. Four dollar glasses of wine. Um, it's great. Yeah, yeah, you got to come down to the exchange if you some like some wine, man. Um, let's see. We've got some serious uh, developments going on with the show, right? So yeah. uh, we we are on Anchor, of course. Uh-huh. You know, uh, Anchor.fm slash CCC Bent. We're also on Radio Public. We're on Google Podcast. We're mm-hmm. on Apple Podcast. We're on Breaker, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Uh, of course, YouTube. You know, of course. Uh, and and there's a couple others that I just can't remember off the top of my head. I've been working hard to try to get us on as many platforms yeah, as possible. We'll be on SoundCloud uh, soon, right? I'm working on the SoundCloud we're on that right now. Uh, working on a bunch of stuff mm-hmm. like uh we're we're about to pick up uh some more places where we'll be doing the podcast we've been in talks with bella luna Ooh, bella we're luna bella luna is actually very close to happening as as far as i'm concerned uh best italian food in the coastal bend area nice. as far as i'm concerned and that's almost um, a done deal we it's just us to put the touches on it right right speaking to the manager ravi uh, shout out to ravi yep shout out to ravi uh we're also we've also uh had some talks with lorelei yes we have right, the brewing company yes we have lorelei local brewery here in Corpus Christi doing the show at Lorelei. Hopefully that will happen soon. Uh, so we've been working hard trying to make this thing happen, folks. We're yep. growing. We're expanding. Uh, we're getting a lot of really great feedback. People are uh, excited about the the positivity we've been emanating with this podcast. Something different, man. Right, exactly. We're not out there telling you how the world's terrible and how you should be upset about your broken screen on your phone. <laughs> You gotta pay some bills. You gotta save money to pay yeah, bills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, folks, life. We are we are working hard to try to make this happen. But you're um, probably being World War Two, right? This episode, <laughs> I want to focus on work. But before we get to that, I wanted to to kind of go back to the our first episode's uh, topic. Is the world getting better or worse? And remember, we talked about that availability heuristics mm-hmm. about how people think the world's getting worse because the media is so negative, yep. because negative things are easy to focus on because they're psychologically available. I've got a really great story here that I found on humanprogress.org, okay. right? Uh, and it comes out of the Detroit News. It's by Nolan Finley, right? Mm-hmm. It's called America's Hate Crime Surge is a Hoax, April 6, 2019. Right? And uh, this is one of those things we've been told that America is just all, it's just full of hate crime. Like right. there's just roving right. gangs of Nazis just out there shooting black folks, you know, right. and Jews and Mexicans and minorities, gays, transgenders. They're just out there. Oh, and, and it's not just like Nazis, like I guess you would say, like MAGA hat wearing Trump supporters <laughs> are out there yeah. like catching minorities. Uh, businesses on fire, you know, yep. running roughshod in the streets. Uh, turns out that's not happening. Yeah, not at all. <laughs> turns out not that's not all. happening. Let's go through the story real, real quick. Uh, Will Riley, a Kentucky State University associate professor, extensively researched hate-fueled violence in America and published his findings in a book, Hate Crime Hoax. 
All right, now I'm going to quote Riley real quick. Almost all of that surge, he's talking about the 17% increase in hate crime since 2017, Mm -hmm. is due to the simple fact that in 2017, the number of police departments reporting hate crimes to the FBI increased by 1,000. The surge narrative is pretty dishonest. There's this idea that roving hate-fueled gangs of MAGA hat Trump supporters are regularly attacking gays, trans, and minorities. Riley studied 409 reported hate crimes over the past five years that got heavy media attention. So he only studied stuff that hit the media and right. was a big deal. Right. Right. Uh, and I didn't tell you the end of that quote. I just like kept reading. So this is not Riley continuing to talk. (laughs) So Riley studied 409 reported hate crimes over the past five years that got heavy media attention. Riley, I'm going to quote him again. In major cases, almost all of them have been hoaxes. The number of hate crime hoaxes actually exceeds the number of convictions. Mm. So the number of hate crimes that have been proven to be hoaxes, this isn't stuff like like someone just like was like, oh, that's, that's bullshit, that's right. a hoax. No, he proved it. Right. He proved that these were hoaxes. He ran them down, he did his research, and found out, are they real or are they hoaxes? There are more hoaxes than there are convictions of actual hate crimes. <laughs> And again, so this is why people think hate crimes are a big deal, because all of these hoaxes are getting media attention, and the media is not following up with them. They're just saying, this hate crime happened. Right. I mean, they don't follow up with it and say, like, oh, yeah, and by the way, they found out that was a hoax. It wasn't real, and they never do that. They never do that. And you know they know. You know they know. Of course they know. Of course they know. know. They're the media. That's what they do. Of course they know. I mean, they're they're reporting false stuff, of course, but how, how do you think the hoax actually comes about is it the news media who starts it or do they get that from somebody else it's no it's got to be well okay it starts with with mm. someone reporting a hate crime that didn't happen okay all right it, that's what it starts with um man who was that actor that just recently i can't remember his name now but he said he got attacked by two guys wearing maga hats and he got busted hard because I didn't they, hear about they, that. Oh, they found out it wasn't real that it wasn't a hoax i can't remember his name because i don't pay attention to hollywood news at all i don't either i you know, couldn't tell you that story at I, all i don't pay attention to celebrities i don't pay attention to rock stars i i could care less what they're doing right but uh, this guy uh, he's a black actor man i can't remember his name it's not michael b jordan no no no, no. Man, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't like. I said I don't follow that either. Right, I right. And I, you. I could pick up my I'm phone. I'm just guessing right yeah, now. Yeah, I could pick up my phone and look it up. And but I, you, I you don't too. care so much. But you could do that too. Right that now. I'm not gonna. And you can yeah. do it for us. So do it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he he reported that he got attacked by a couple of guys wearing MAGA hats, and as it turns out, it didn't happen. He got busted. It was you know really yeah wow yeah it didn't happen. I gotta at look all. that story. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Actually. So it starts out with somebody faking a hate crime. They fake a hate crime, and then they call the media, and they're like, "Media, I was attacked." by these horrible white people wearing MAGA hats. And it's not just like they were attacked. It's stuff like graffiti, like uh, swastikas painted on the side of a house or, you know, uh, somebody sending like threatening emails or something. Well, they they do that. You do the research on this and you find out most of it is the person who reported it. They're the ones that did it Mm -hmm. to try to get media attention. 400. How many was it? 409 reported hate crimes. All of them were hoaxes. Wow. All of them. There it's insane. Go. Yeah, it's absolutely insane. Uh, 
Let's see, yeah, the majority of these high-profile incidents never happened, end quote. Uh, Foley, which was the author of this uh, particular piece, it's also a false narrative that white cops are targeting African-American men. In 2015, the 1,200 Americans killed by police. Now, remember, this is something Mm -hmm. I uh, touched on on the Mm -hmm. last episode, episode 1.2. So the targeting of African-American men. In 2015, of the 1,200 Americans killed by police, just 258 were black, and only 17 of those were unarmed and shot by white officers. 17. There are 320 million of us in this country, and 17 unarmed black guys got shot. And that's tragic. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying, like, uh, who cares? For sure. You know, that's tragic. But if there are 320 million of us and only 17 get shot, yeah, I think we're doing a pretty damn good job. And I guarantee, like, I don't want to get too much into this because we already talked about this. Like, a lot more men or women, like we said, are rapists. But we don't say all men or women fuck them. Right. Right? But Evil, we do. Yeah. The cops, all of a sudden, though. Yeah. If the cops know the cops, you know, something happens to my house, I'm going to call the cops. Yeah. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah, one cop screws up, and now all of a sudden, yeah. all cops are evil. And that's not right. You know? That's no, not it's right. not right. It's not right at all. No. Not at all. That's they're the real heroes, honestly. Absolutely. They're no, the real absolutely. heroes. I can't agree more. I cannot yeah. agree more. They're the real heroes. More. Right. And yet, Riley's research indicates that just 10% of the media coverage of police violence focused on non-black victims. Now, if you remember here, back what I just said, there, uh, there were uh, 258 were black. So 1,200 Americans were killed by police. So that's, that's not unarmed. That's 1,200 total. Right. So 1,200 probably most likely criminals who were shooting at the cops got yeah, killed. Yeah, of course. You know? <laughs> that was in Chicago, yeah, guarantee yeah. you. So, and that's crazy too. Think about 1,200 people total yeah. got shot by the cops. There are 320 million of us in this country. That's, yeah. You Do know, the math. Yeah. Are you serious? That's so very few people. 1,200 of them. Only 258 were black. So the rest were white or other races. Right. Right. But all you heard about were the black guys that got shot. Mm-hmm. That's all you heard about. Yeah. You know, and it's uh, the media coverage of police violence focused on or the uh, let's see research indicates that just 10 percent of the media coverage of police violence focused on non-black victims. Just 10 percent. Mm. That's it. Only 10 percent of the media coverage focused on victims that weren't black. Wow. And, and, and the media is supposed to be impartial. It's supposed to be unbiased. Right. You know, and what, what are they doing? They're focusing on one race. Race. One race. Mm-hmm. That's not. That's not. That's not impartial. No, that's not at all. Bias as hell. Yeah, you know. <laughs> the least. Yeah, extremely biased. Like it's it's crazy to me. Crazy. Uh, Riley, I'm going to quote Riley again. Okay. It's worth noting that interracial crime is not a huge threat in America. Eighty-five percent of whites are killed by other whites. Ninety-four percent of blacks are killed by other blacks. Yeah. Portraying America as a hate-filled country is wildly inaccurate. I mean, man, all you got to do is grow up in the hood and know that. Right, I know exactly. that. Exactly. Well, and this is something I've known for a long time. It's and this is true of every race. Uh-huh. Right. So Asians. Right. Are predominantly killed by other Asians, well, and and not just killed like violent crime or any kind of crime mm-hmm. against any race is definitely. predominantly done by the same, same race. race. Definitely, you know, because we live together. I mean, Duh. when you see a gang war, what do you see? You see Mexicans and Mexicans, you see blacks against black. It doesn't have to be a gang war; it can be anything, right? Well, and Chicago stands testament to this. Yes, Chicago is black on black crime. Definitely. Oh no, they they'll be the first ones to tell you that. Exactly. I'm exactly. gonna tell you a story about me in Chicago. Actually, real quick, let me oh, get yeah, into this. Dude. So I was in Chicago with my b- b- brother. I think you met my brother. Yeah, I did. So we went I to the Cubs game with the hotel room. Mind you, weed is not legal 
in Chicago. Right, right, so, right. So, you know, me and my brother are outside the hotel. We're at the hotel bar. It's, dude, we're like, we're old. I'm 30. Oh. <laughs> uh, so we're, <laughs> That's uh, not old, bro. I know, I'm being That's sarcastic. So anyway, like, I was ready to go to, not go to bed, but I didn't want to go out, dude. So we're at the hotel bar. It's probably 1.30. We're smoking joint outside. And a cop rolls by. A black cop. He sees us. Two people that don't know what we're doing. Like, of course, he could have done anything he wanted to. We're doing something illegal. Mm-hmm. I freaked out. Yeah. I, like, literally, like, oh, shoot, dropped it. Like, he's all like, you can pick that back up. I have way bigger stuff to worry about than that. Oh, nice. Literally, told me that. That's literally, a good cop told right me that. there. So I picked it back up because I'm going to listen to the cop. He told me. Yeah. You can't. If I mean, he told me that, so it drove off. Never saw him again. That's fantastic. But <laughs> it, it, it is, but it's not because uh, the point I mean, is. Well, yeah, he's got that's how much really stuff serious is going things. bad. Like, yeah, he's got so much with. stuff going on at one time at that time of night that, man, that's a tough job, man. I don't want to do it. Oh, yeah. No, I don't want to do it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would put cops up there with soldiers. In, in, oh, definitely. You know, the pay is so low. Oh, man. yeah. It's well, it's same with soldiers, man. Soldiers pay is terrible. I mean, we can say that with not all teachers, but good teachers. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's it seems that the jobs that are most worthwhile uh, don't pay at all, and and that's terrible because like, you if you put money into things that matter, more people want to do it. Yeah, you know, and more qualified people end up doing it because you you're paying them for their merit. But you can hit a baseball and get paid well four hundred million. That but they generate that much money though. That's they the do. Thing. They do. Is, they really do. That's they why they get paid that. Is bring that they much can, in there. They can generate that much revenue. But my point is on that though. The people are going to something that doesn't matter. That's the thing. Why? why it, not saying don't go to new sports because I'm a huge sports sense. Do not get yeah, me wrong. Yeah, I was wrong. about to say. No, 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 no. Uh, do not get me wrong. But I know. But I have my facts in line. I, I'm not going to cry over a draft pick. Like some people did last night in the New York Knicks. <laughs> I don't know if anybody saw that, but the New York Knicks lost I a draft. I did see that. Oh they my lost God, a draft. I'll show so you the video funny. later. It uh, was so funny New how York many people Knicks, cried they about crying, that. Crying, literally crying, because yeah. they didn't get the first pick in the draft. My whole thing is like, yes, like what they love, they love to go do that. But man, there's probably a little bit more stuff that matters than that. No, definitely, especially in New York. Definitely. Uh, moving on in. In that same vein, is mm-hmm. the world getting better or is the world mm-hmm. getting worse? Uh, we also have the narrative that women are not paid as much as men in right. the same area when they do the same amount of work. Well, that turns out to be not true not at, true at all. all. Um, and, and I've seen that in my life. In fact, I've had female bosses my entire life. I've, I can't think of one place I worked at where I didn't have a female who was above me getting paid more than me. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I'm not bitching about that. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's just what it is. They, yeah, they they earned it. You yeah, know? they got <laughs> like, there. You know, they got there for a reason. They drove the revenue in there. Yeah. Right, right. Uh, but I mean, that's anecdotal. So, humanprogress.org mm-hmm. looked into it, right? And uh, they they put out a story called "What the Data Say About Equal Pay Day." Right, this was put out by humanprogress.org, April fifth, twenty nineteen. A survey unveiled by CNBC and SurveyMonkey suggests that actually both men and women are equally pleased with their employment situations and that the earnings gap between men and women can largely be explained by women being more likely on average to choose part-time work. I'm going to say that one more time for those of you who just absolutely will not accept this argument. And I don't even want to say argument. That will not accept this fact. Right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to say that one more time okay 
The employment situations, or excuse me, a survey unveiled by CNBC and SurveyMonkey suggests that actually both men and women are equally pleased with their employment situations and that the earnings gap between men and women can largely be explained by women being more likely, on average, to choose part-time work. Men have a workplace happiness index score of 72 and women score at 70, close enough to lack a statistically meaningful difference, according to the newly released data. This fits the earlier, earlier polling that was conducted by Cato Institute's Dr. Emily Ekins, E-K-I-N-S, mm -hmm. uh, Maybe uh, Ekans. Yeah, that works. Which found that in the U.S., the vast majority of women, quote, believe their employers to treat men and women equally, end quote. Fully 86% of women polled believe that their employer pays women equally. One more time for those of you that absolutely refuse to, to accept these facts. Fully 86% of women polled believe that their employer pays women equally. Okay. There is still a pay gap in full-time work, but this can be accounted for due to career choice. Men choose more dangerous jobs, and more dangerous jobs pay higher. Yeah. Humanprogress.org advisory board member Mark Perry points out the gender gap in workplace deaths far exceeds the pay gap. Mm -hmm. Right? So if you have – he's saying essentially there's a pay gap between men and women in full-time work, but men – get paid more because we take the dangerous jobs all right? right we're linemen we get up in there and we we, we string up power lines climb the high ladder yeah yeah we climb that high ladder that kills more people than tornadoes, than tornadoes by the way that's where i was going <laughs> yeah episode one yep that's a reference to episode one folks if you don't know what we're saying go back to episode one uh yeah we climb that high ladder but we, yeah it's true though we're we're on the we're on the the crab boats you I mean, know they go out into when the, there was a war in iraq i mean it was mostly right yeah mostly men I mean, when, when any war happens refineries yes mostly men. refineries Oil mostly, men. mostly men coal mines uh -huh. you know all of this stuff it's men we take the dangerous jobs and yes dangerous jobs pay more all right so ladies if you want to get paid as much as us men then you need to go out with us mm -hmm. and try to take the hill and catch a bullet in the throat mm -hmm. right like we do <laughs> you yeah, <know>? literally. Yeah. <laughs> try to take the hill from the enemy or try you know dig in the coal mine and get the black lung or go string up power lines or fall off ladders and break your arm and if you want to get paid as much as we do you go do that you do the underwater welding and you can do it do it Hey, and there are plenty of women out there that can't. Can. No, jobs. no doubt about it. No can. doubt about it. Not arguing that at all. You know, and this is one of those things that it's you know it's been we've been inundated with this narrative that there is this uh, this sexist mentality in the workplace, and that women aren't getting paid as much as men, and that the scientific data on it has been coming back for years saying no, that does not exist. It does not happen, mm -hmm. and I just can't drive this point harder you know mm -hmm. i just can't drive it any harder like folks quit being so nihilistic quit being so negative and thinking that the world is horrifically unequal and sexist and misogynistic that simply is not the case women are getting paid just as much as men to do the same job especially especially if well i mean let's just put it this way w women graduate from university more than men do definitely they get higher grades in university mm -hmm. than men do. Mm -hmm. Women are far less likely to die on the job. They're far less likely to develop heart disease. They're far less likely to be the victims of violence crime, violent crime. They're far less likely to be incarcerated. They're far less likely to uh, – 
to commit violent well, crimes. Let's talk about that for a little bit. Most of the ones that do that, though, are nurses or lawyers. Lawyers not going to commit a crime, most likely. Not saying it's well, not possible. Say, yeah, I'm not know. saying it's not. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> probably won't be the. If they do commit the crime, they probably know how to get away with it. Right. Um. Uh. No, I. Man, that's that's. I don't know about that one. Well, it's just. It, I mean, I know what you're saying. Yeah, it's it's that women are far less like they're just far less likely to run into calamity because right, of the, right. the way they conduct themselves. Okay, it's not just because they're women. It's no, no, it's, nothing. No, it's no, the no. way women act. Yeah, right. Their behavior is, you know, like men, we take a bunch of risks because we're crazy. Yeah, right. We're testosterone fueled. Testosterone is something like. It makes us erratic, you know. Right. It, it makes us want to take risks. Right. Right. It's 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 something. It's physiology. We just can't get around man, it. Man, you can't win. You can't win in that situation. Though, like, let's just take me for example. I'm a manager at the exchange. For anybody that didn't know that, uh, I asked one of our bartenders. That's a, a girl, a lady. You know what? A lady. You know what? Oh, I, I, I need to climb this, but I want to give them equal opportunity. Say they fall, then all of a sudden I'm the bad guy because why do you make a lady drive that? Right yeah, now? yeah, know, yeah, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. God, like, well, and this is also Texas where we still have chivalry. Yes. you don't make women try to pick up heavy things. Exactly. You you open know, the. I mean, you, yeah, you, you know. open the door for women. I mean, that's pretty common. Though. You say yes, ma'am, if you don't know her. Yeah, you know for sure. Uh, you know, chivalry is still very much alive right, in Texas. Yeah. Uh, we uh, we treat women we treat women uh, special, yeah. which you know some women. They they say that's sexist, and Feminist. I and I say go to hell. Yeah, you know <laughs> because yeah. most women enjoy that kind of treatment. I know my manners. And, <laughs> and why wouldn't you? You know, like if women treated me differently, like if they opened the door for me and and did, man, I'd be like hell yeah, I don't want this to stop. And and, and, I, <laughs> and, and, and I hate to say this, and, I, and you're right, and I hate to say this, and not, I don't want to go off subject on this because this is a totally another subject. Uh-huh. Um, you know, there's some women out there, like feminists, that don't want that at all. They don't want any of that, and they're not going to deal with it. But the thing is, like, man, like, those are the same women that are complaining that they can't find a good dude. They can't find a good boyfriend. They can't find no one that loves them. But these are the same girls that do that, they, and you yeah, know it is. It's because they want to trample all over men, and then they expect men to treat them nice. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, well, hold on. Wait a minute. What do you want? You want to be a bitch to all the dudes around you. You want to be some crazy harpy, and then you expect them to love you for it? Like, yeah. oh, hell no. No, it don't work that you way. Know? No, it does not. Yeah. You know, you, you either, look, you either play nice with men or just swear off a men. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. we're, we're not gonna let you run all over. It's just like women shouldn't let men run all over no. them. No, you know, it, it, I it, go be lesbian. It's, it's, a, yeah, it's a two-way street. Like if you want to treat men like shit, well then we're gonna treat you like shit right back. Yeah, you know, and you can't complain about it because you started it. Yep. <laughs> you know, yep. and it's it's nuts how many women. Yeah, want to get uh, not here in Texas so much, but uh, more up north, more yeah. on the east coast, no doubt. Um, how they want to, you know, like if a dude opens a door for him, they want to get mad, you know, angry at that guy. And it's like, he's just trying to be nice. Yeah. You know, he's probably raised by good parents that told him, you know, that taught him how to treat women well. Right. Oh, trust me. I'll never do that in Chicago again. I'll never be right? nice to another woman in Chicago. For real, dude. Open the train door. Like, you know how you hold the nice elevator for some people? Like, the, when they're going to close, you hold the elevator for someone? Yes. Yeah, well, yeah. You, I mean, you take the train on Chicago. So we did that. Oh, man. Like, I know what I'm doing. I'm from Chicago. You don't need to do that for me. I was like, oh, I'm. I'm just trying to be cool. I'm not from here. Like, you know, I want to be cool with everybody I can be, you know? Right, right. That's crazy, man. She yeah. got mad at you for holding open the, yeah, the dude. subway yeah, door? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's crazy. nuts. I know. I was like, oh, sorry? And then I was like, what am I apologizing for? This is not right. But what am folks, I apologizing? Uh, both those stories, I got them 
off of humanprogress.org, though they were put out by different uh, – well, the second story about equal pay was by humanprogress.org. But the first story was by the Detroit News, um, and it, it was posted on humanprogress.org. So I, ca I can't stress enough how much you need to follow humanprogress.org. Uh, humanprogress.org will give you an accurate picture of the world. It's not one of the negative news media outlets that tells you that everything's on fire. You know, uh, oh, what was it? Mm -hmm. Bill Nye, the science guy. Yes. He was on uh, John Oliver yeah. here recently. And his crazy ass, like, he, he got on there and, like, lit a globe on fire and was like, the whole world's burning. If emissions continue to, to rise, then the world's temperature is going to go up by, like, four degrees Celsius and we're all going to burn alive. Brr, crisis. Crisis. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's like, dude, you have, on drugs. you have no idea what you're talking about. Did you ever? have no idea what you're talking about. Now, we, we addressed the environmental concerns in the first right. episode. Um, yeah. We didn't so much talk about global warming, though I, I'm saving that subject for a whole nother episode. That's going to be a two-part episode. Oh, easy. Maybe easy. three. Maybe three. Yeah, easy because there's so much information oh, on about how warming has been has been going on since before the Industrial Revolution <laughs> and how about the uh, how the warming trend does not correlate with CO2 very much at all. Um, how sea level rising does not correlate with CO2 very much at all and about how cl most climate science is based on uh, computer models that are wrong over 70% of the time, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. and, and how just about every climate doomsday situation that has been predicted since the inception of the idea of predicting doomsday or climate, yeah, doomsday climate situation. Right. How they've all been wrong, 100% of them. Yeah. Not one climate doomsday prediction has happened. even close. Happened. Yes. Not even close. Not even one. It's gotten more better than what they said, right? It, it, things have been getting getting better the, environmentally. It's going up. Yes. Anyway, yeah, not... I mean, we talked about the forest situation. Yes, we did. Yes, About we did. how, you know. Yeah. The, so much green. Yeah, how many people were saying, oh, 80% of the forests have been cut down. It's like, no, there's more forest now than there was pre-industrial. You know, and, yeah. and the, the scientific data bears this out. This is and this isn't somebody just this isn't an opinion. Mm -hmm. This is measurable, empirical, scientific fact, mm -hmm. folks. No, yeah, this ain't no opinion. This <laughs> you know? is real as it gets. Yes. I mean, I, it just it boggles the mind how hysterical people are over stuff like mm -hmm. this. Uh, we talked about on the last episode, episode 1.2, about nihilism. Yeah. And how nihilism has permeated first world culture, especially here in America, how people are so negative and they believe in nothing. You know, of course, they don't say they believe in nothing, but truly they believe, they in, believe nothing. in nothing. Their, their uh, behavior is indicative of that. Mm -hmm. And I think one of, the, one of the reasons is that we don't work near as hard as we used to. You know, of course, you know, you, you go back a hundred years or even a, a couple hundred years, everyone had to work hard even just to survive. Right. Like just to make it. Right. Like, you know, like winter, you had to be cutting wood. That's what I'm saying. All summer. You had to work on your to days get off ready for or winter. after work. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. there was no time yeah. off. Like... You went to work at the factory and then you came home and cut firewood for mm -hmm. the winter, you know, mm -hmm. slaughtered a pig so that your family could eat. Which, by the way, raising pigs, if you don't know, is hard damn work. Is it? You yeah. know, raising pigs is not easy. I don't want to know. Uh, raising chickens is not easy. Raising cows is not easy. And everyone had to do it. Just about everybody. Wow. Right. Um, you know, most people, you know, a couple hundred years ago had to build their own house from scratch 
lay the foundation, build the frame, build the walls, build the roof. They had to do it all. And they had themselves, maybe a friend, and their kids to help them. That's it. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't yeah. they couldn't just hire a contracting company cuz there were none. Damn. You know. <laughs> like, wow. You see what I'm saying? People had to yeah. work really really hard and people were much happier it seems. If you read correspondence back, you know, 100 200 years ago, people were not upset about the fact that they had to work so much. They, they in fact were happy about the fact they had to work mm-hmm. so much. It was liberating, freeing. And this particular concept, the idea that work is freeing, work liberates you from, uh, from being useless and destitute. This is an old idea, man. This dates back a long time. So what I'm going to do here is I'm going to switch. We're going to go ahead. We're going to go through the story of Prometheus. Okay. You familiar with the story of Prometheus? A little bit. I'm going to hear it the more. What you got? Okay. So Prometheus... Is uh, it's a Greek story, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Prometheus was one of the Titans. Uh, the Titans were the gods that ruled before the Olympians, before Zeus. Okay, they were more elemental, a little more uh, savage, mm, right? Okay. Uh, the king of the Titans was Cronos, and Cronos was Zeus's father. Uh, every kid that Cronos had, he would eat them. And keep him in his stomach. Because, yeah, he got a prophecy that one of his kids was going to overthrow him. Just like he overthrew his father, Uranus. He would actually eat them. Yeah, he would eat them. Whoa. Like as a baby or? Yeah. Yeah, as soon as they were born, he would eat them. That's fucked up. Right? (laughs) Yeah, it is a little. Okay, anyway. Uh, So he he would eat his kids so that they wouldn't overthrow him. Right, right, right. Well, Zeus's mother, she tricked Cronus. And she put a rock in swaddling clothes, and he ate the rock instead of Zeus. Zeus grew up in a cave. He was raised by his, uh, his grandmother, Gaia, the Earth, uh, for the most part. I, I do believe there was another character involved. I think it was an eagle. The eagle that, there was an eagle that spirited him right. away to the cave. I think the eagle helped raise him, too. But uh, he, of course, comes back and overthrows his father. It's funny the way the story goes. He like punches Kronos in the stomach so hard. Uh, that Cronus throws up all the Olympians. Whoa. Yeah, so he throws them all up, you know, and it's uh, then they, once they escape, they wage a 10-year war against the Titans. Now, at first, Prometheus was on the side of the Titans. According to the Greek, or excuse me, the Roman stories, Prometheus switched sides because he wanted to use trickery and guile. He wanted to use, like, subterfuge and uh, think like, uh, think like, like how the CIA wages war, you okay. know, like, you know, like a secret agent. Right. Style. Yeah. He wanted to do that. And the Titans weren't having any of it. They were like, no, nah, we're going to beat him, you know, straight up in a hardcore fist fight. Mm. And he was like, fine, if that's how y'all want to do it, you're going to lose because Zeus is stronger than all of you. Right. So he switches sides and uh, helps Zeus defeat the Titans. All right. So the Titans are defeated. They're sent down to Tartarus, but Prometheus is spared along with uh, his brother Epimetheus. Okay. And now Prometheus, the name translates out into, get this, forethought, right? So okay. thinking ahead. Right. His brother, Epimetheus, it means afterthought. Mm. Now, this is, this is going to be important later. Uh, let's just start out with the story here. I've got this fantastic book that I've read the hell out of, um, and it, it's all beat up to hell. <laughs> this book. <laughs> um, 
It's uh, it's called Gods and Heroes of Ancient Greece by Gustav Schwab. Mm-hmm. You can get it on Amazon. It's a fairly cheap book. It's a big book, but it uh, covers most of Greek mythology and a lot of Roman mythology as well. Uh, Gustav Schwab wanted to, he wanted to put all of the Greek mythology stories like in chronological order because they were just like just like spread way the hell out and they didn't really correspond to each other very well. They d- there was no chronological order. In fact, they seemed to contradict each other in terms of when they happened, you know? Yeah. Uh, so he wanted, he wanted to put them like in chronological order. So they happened in like a coherent order and he does a really good job of okay. it. But in the beginning of the book, he covers the story of Prometheus. And I'm just going to go ahead and read part of it word for word. It's a pretty short story. We're not going to go through the whole thing, of course, but uh, we will go through the important parts. So heaven and earth had been created. The sea ebbed and flowed between its shores and fish frolicked in the waters and the air sang winged birds and the earth swarmed with animals. But as yet there was no creature in whose body the spirit could house and from there govern the world around it. Then down to earth came Prometheus, forethought, a descendant of the ancient race of gods which Zeus had dethroned, a son of... This is such a hard name to say. I screw it up every time. (laughs) uh, A son of Iepetus. I hope I'm saying that right. There's probably some Greeks that'll hear that and be like, you are just... just (laughs) Just butchered that name. Iepetus, whom... Gaia had born to Uranus. Now Prometheus was crafty and nimble-witted. He knew that the seed of heaven lay sleeping in the earth, so he scooped up some clay, moistened it with water from a river, kneaded it this way and that, and shaped it to the image of the gods, the lords of the world. To give life to his earth-formed figure, he took both good and evil from the core of many animals and locked them in man's breast. He had a friend amongst the immortals, Athena, the goddess of wisdom, who, who marveled at what this son of the Titans had created, and she breathed the spirit of divine breath into the creature, which as yet was only half alive. Now, that's really interesting uh, that Athena breathed the spirit into man, uh, because according to the Gnostic tradition, which is the Christian mystics, uh-huh. uh, mankind, when he was created, was had no spirit like he was just like lying on the ground like writhing around kind of in pain okay and until the spirit of wisdom sophia mm-hmm. which sophia in greek means, means wisdom. wisdom yeah right so yeah sophia comes down and in and breathes the spirit into mankind so it's a, a really cool comparative religion thing there that in the story of prometheus athena who is the goddess of wisdom gives man the spirit which allows him to be conscious okay right uh and that's the same with the gnostic tradition sophia the spirit of wisdom comes down and breathes the spirit into mankind um story goes on In this way, the first men were made, and soon they filled the far reaches of the earth. But for a long time, they did not know what to do with their noble limbs or the divine spirit which had been breathed into them. They saw yet that they did not see, or they saw yet that they, yet they did not see. That was kind of confusing. Mm -hmm. They saw, yet Yet they they did did not not see. see. Mm. They heard, yet they did not hear. Aimlessly, they moved about like figures in a dream and were ignorant of how to profit from creation. 
They did not know the art of quarrying and cutting stone or burning bricks from clay or carving out beams from the trees they hewed in the forest or building houses with all these materials. Like scurrying ants, they thronged in sunless caves beneath the surface of the earth. They did not discern the sure signs of winter, of spring decked with flowers, of summer rich in fruits. There was no plan in anything they did. Then Prometheus came to their aid. He taught them to watch the rising and setting of the stars, discovered to them the art of counting and communicating by means of written symbols. He showed them how to yoke animals and make them share in man's labor. He broke horses to the rain and wagon and invented ships and sails for journeying over the sea, and he concerned himself with all of the affairs of human life also. Formerly a man who fell ill, knew nothing of herbs and what to eat or what not to eat, what to drink or not to drink, nor did he have salves to ease his pain for lack of psychic men, oh, excuse me, not psychic, physic men, had perished wretchedly, right? But now Prometheus showed them how to compound mild remedies that would dispel every kind of disease. Then he taught them to foretell the future and interpret dreams and signs for them, the flight of birds and the omens of offerings. He guided them to explore underground so that they might find ore, iron, silver, and gold. In short, he introduced them to all the arts and comforts of living. So here we have this this story about how mankind was pretty much useless before work. Right. Before work was ever invented. They, we didn't know how to work, so we were living in caves, throwing rocks at each other, dying of diseases yeah. you know, that we didn't know how to treat. And this god, a titan, comes down and teaches us how to become useful, how to build things, how to quarry rocks, how to quarry iron and gold and silver, how to build ships, how to break horses, how to yoke oxen to till fields and all that how to grow things and this is not just in the story of prometheus it's actually a universal story throughout mythology it's touched on several times in several different mythologies but we're gonna let's just focus on a couple okay so here's one from the from egypt the story of osiris Right. Uh, this particular one was written by Dodorius Siculus. Uh, he lived from 90 BC to 30 BC. Uh, uh, Diodor or Didoria, or Didorus. It's it's either Diodor or Didorus, depending on. You know, he was called. Asked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and again, this is a long time ago. So right. this is uh, he died 30 years before Christ. Oh, yeah. You know, can't confirm that. Then. Right. Can't I mean, call nobody for that. Well, he he did. He wrote a book that still persists today. You can find that, but you can even find it online. Okay. Um, and I will. Uh, I do believe I have a link to it. Oh, no, no, I have a link to Plutarch's book, not his book. But you can still find this book. He wrote okay. uh, Bibliotheca Historica. Um, and he wrote on Osiris, which, by the way, was the head god of the Egyptians for a very long time. The head god of the Egyptians changed a lot because they persisted for thousands of years. So who the head god was changed quite a few times. Right. But for the longest time, Osiris was the head god. Uh, and Diodor wrote, Osiris, who wanted to serve humanity... 
and acquire glory, gathered a great army, and formed the project to traverse the whole inhabited land and to teach humankind the art of planting the grapevine and sowing wheat and barley. Indeed, he thought that while removing man from the wild state, while making them adopt a regime of civilized life, he would be made, by the importance of these good deeds, worthy of immortal honors. And it is indeed what happened. Plutarch, who lived uh, from 45 to 120 A.D., uh, Plutarch wrote in the uh, uh, in Morals, uh, Theosophical Essays on Isis and Osiris, that when Osiris reigned over the Egyptians, he made them reform their destitute and bestial mode of living, showing them the art of cultivation and giving them laws and teaching them how to worship the gods. Afterwards, he traveled over the whole earth, civilizing it. Right. So here's another story of a god giving mankind work, order, civilization, laws, right? I got another one here that comes from the Book of Enoch. Now, this is an apocryphal text. It, uh, it was up for canonization in the Bible, but they, uh, they decided, nah, this one doesn't go in there. It wasn't going to go in there? Yeah, it's not going to go in there. It's mostly a prophetic book. It's like uh, Enoch having prophecies. But <clears throat> in there, it talks about the... The origin of work, and this is this is really interesting. Uh, so, work according to the Book of Enoch was given to mankind by angels. Now, these angels were up to no good, but they ended up teaching mankind how to work. So that's kind of that was kind of a plus, in right? There. Right. So uh, this is in chapter eight of the Book of Enoch. Moreover, Azaziel, not Azazel, that's different. Azaziel. <laughs> taught men to make swords, knives, shields, breastplates, the fabrication of mirrors and the workmanship of bracelets and ornaments, the use of paint, the beautifying of eyebrows, which that's weird. That that's that's, the beautifying yeah. of eyebrows. Huh. Like, I thought they only did that in the ghetto. <laughs> <laughs> Usually. <laughs> the beautifying of eyebrows, the use of stones for, uh, or the, the use of stones of every valuable and select kind and all sorts of dyes so that the world became altered. So, in there, like, the angels teach mankind work, and it alters the world. You know, and you think about it, like, when we build things, like, even ancient man, they had to quarry rocks, like, big rocks to build their buildings. Well, yeah. that alters the earth. You make a mine. Have you ever seen a mine before? Oh, yeah. It's, it's huge. Yeah. It's a giant pit that is created to quarry rocks, and it does. It alters the earth, and it's, it, mankind's work alters the earth, and that, mm -hmm. that's how significant our work is. But here we have yet again another story where work is given to mankind by the gods. We've got another one. Uh, I'm not going to quote it directly, but it's from the Enuma Elish, which is a book I'm extremely familiar with. Okay. At the end of the book, so, uh, well, let's just start at kind of like the beginning. The story is of uh, Marduk. Marduk. The, the Mesopotamian king of the gods okay now marduk is the only god who can defeat the dragon of chaos right and uh what he does is he he goes out he fights the dragon of chaos he defeats the dragon of chaos and all the demons that sided with the dragon of chaos okay a when he defeats her he tears her up into pieces and uses the pieces to create the world once he's done creating the world he then organizes the world of the gods right after he organizes the world of the gods then he makes mankind. Same kind of situation. He makes them out of, out of clay, out of dirt. Right. And the blood of the, 
the demon general that Tiamat used, uh, that uh, Tiamat's demon general, Kinu, I do believe is how you say his name. Um, and once he made mankind, he, he gave like mankind a purpose, like right from the get go, right? Mankind's purpose was co- to continue the work that Marduk had done, which is to turn chaos into order. Right. He just right from the get go, he's like, you know, I'm going to make mankind and their job is going to be to work. And Mm. that work is going to keep chaos at bay. And I think that's very interesting because that's what work does for you. I mean, we talked about this right before we got on the show. Yeah, for sure. How people who don't work, their lives are horribly chaotic. It's empty. Yes. Big void. Yes. And on top of that, I mean, you go into their house and nothing's organized. Everything's, you know, it's dirty. Depression almost. Right. Exactly. I I can't really say because I've, like, I've told you, like, I was unemployed from 18 to 30. I've been unemployed. I can honestly say this, folks. How long does it take to walk to the circle from here? About three minutes. Okay. I was unemployed for three minutes. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. <laughs> I had to get a job, dude. I was de- like, I literally quit there. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna take two weeks off. No, I literally walked straight over here and like, hey, yeah, so JD, who's JD? I talked to JD. Got a job. Yeah, JD is the uh, director of operations, <laughs> director of operations here at yes. the exchange. So yeah, that's a true story though. Talked to Tony. Talked to JD. Talked to Hank. Talked to J Rock. They were all. They, they wanted me. That's another story. They wanted me from the beginning. That's another story though. The point is. I couldn't do it, man. I, that three minutes alone was already in my head alone, depressing me. Like, oh, God, I don't have a job. This is gross. <laughs> honestly, is. honestly. No, it is. That's it's the gross. Best. That's, the, right. that's, the feeling. that's the only thing I could describe. It was gross. It was weird. I was like, oh, I feel like a bump. Oh, no. This yeah. is not me. Yeah, and so this is something that, that has been uh, expressed throughout mm-hmm. the ages mm-hmm. in religious and mythological texts that work is what liberates us as yes. human beings. That before work, we were slaves to our animal nature. Can you imagine when they work for free? Oh, God, can you imagine? <laughs> but yeah, even in the Bible, when God uh, tells Adam, you know, after the fall of man, yeah. he tells Adam, you know, now you're going to have to work in the fields, you know, and, mm-hmm. and the, the earth is cursed for your sake, essentially, yeah. and you're going to have to yep. sweat real hard, mm-hmm. and it, it's going to suck, it's going to be painful. Uh, Dr. Jordan B. Peterson talks about this in his uh, TV Ontario presentations for his book, Ma- Maps of Meaning, and he says, like, a lot of people read this as an injunction. An injunction is a command. Uh-huh. Right, but it's not. It's not a command. What God is telling Adam is that now that you are conscious, now that you are aware of the future, you have to work, right. or else it's going to drive you insane. Right. It's going to drive you absolutely insane if you don't work because you know about the future. Animals don't work no. because they don't know about the future. No, we take care uh, of them anyway. If, even if they did know about the future, we're taking care of them. Well, Our dogs, even, even say like animals, like that live out in like nature, lions, yeah, elephants, yeah. giraffes. Yeah, you're right. They don't. They don't. They, they don't. don't. You're pre- right. You're they right. They don't prepare Same. for the future no. because they don't know about the but future. They don't. But if they did, if they had the capacity to know about the future, you better believe their asses would be working. Because <laughs> if you know about the future, you have to work. Yeah, you have to because yeah. it'll drive you insane if you don't. Yeah. Right. To prepare for the future, to have resources. Like if you did like a lion, like a lion can't, can't store food. Right. When they get hungry, they just go out, kill something and eat it. Right. And if they can't find something to kill and eat, then they starve. Mm-hmm. Right. What if, what if you did that as a human being? 
that mm-hmm. drive you crazy. You mm-hmm. can't do that. Mm-hmm. You got to have food on the ready, you right. know, or else you'll be thinking about it the whole time. Like, damn it, I don't have any food. Damn it, I don't have any food. Damn right. it, I don't have any food. You know, and your stomach will fill it. Your head will, your head will start to hurt. Like you'll feel it. Well, I mean, even if you're not hungry at the time, no, right, the right. fact that you have no food stored up will drive you insane. No, oh, yes. You know, it, the fact that you have no resources stored up. You know, people that don't have retirement plans. Oh, it eats at them. It eats at them, and some of them don't even realize it. But it eats at them because they—they they just they there's something inside them that's telling them like you have to get ready, you have to get, and you're not getting ready. You don't have anything set aside. <laughs> it's funny you say that because I think about four days ago I talked to you. I was like, look, I have this savings account, I have mm-hmm. this much money in it, but I think I'm gonna do this retirement thing. I'm twenty. I just turned thirty, guys. Um, and I was like. I need a second savings account. I talked to you about the whole cash thing. That's another story. You don't have to tell them yeah, what you yeah. said about no, that. No, no, no. But uh, you know, the point was that I needed I need a savings account for when I when I'm done working and I want to retire early, and I need a savings account for vacations and emergency funds. Having all in one is not going to work. It's not. You can't pull from your retirement fund. It just doesn't work. No, you have to have money set aside. Yeah, so they, just I, I for think that. everybody should have two savings accounts. That's just my opinion. One for vacations and emergencies. And again, this is going back to work. For vacation, vacation and emergencies and one just for retirement. Put money aside. Wait, say, you never know. Like, man, like I said, I'm a big sports fan. You know how many times I see somebody break their leg and that's it? Yeah. And now they're, they're, and now they're working at Goodwill or like there's something. I've seen plenty of people, though, that plenty of sports athletes that get a one-bedroom apartment, one car. You know, not even a nice apartment. Like, yeah. it's nice, but you know what I mean. Like, yeah. not, 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 not even like the Cosmo. Like, yeah. And, oh, yeah. And well, the Cosmo's and, really nice. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, though. <laughs> but these guys are making millions of dollars not doing that. Right, and right. They're saving their money. Yeah, no, and that's that's what I do. Like, I, I live as minimalistic as I possibly can stand so right. that I can continue to put money back. I, if I've, even if I've got enough money to buy something nice, I don't. Yeah. You know, and like I said on the first episode, I'm poor. <laughs> and I, I do this on purpose. You know, I mean, I, I'm not poor on purpose. Yeah. But what I do is I, I live not just within my means, but below my means. Right. That way I can put money back. Despite the fact that I'm poor, I have money put back. Right. All right. Because I understand that I got to have something for emergencies. I got to have something for retirement. Right. You know, because if you don't, you will drive yourself insane. It's the nature of being conscious. If you are conscious and you're aware of the future, which animals are not, Mm -hmm. you must work. You must have resources stored up or else it will drive you absolutely bonkers Mm -hmm. you will lose your mind you will tear your eyes out of the sockets you know literally yeah you know it'll just drive you crazy punch yourself in the face and and this is this is what god was telling adam in in the in genesis he told him like he wasn't commanding him now you have to work because i said so he was saying now you have to work because you're aware of the future and if you don't oh it's gonna be bad for you it's gonna suck working it's gonna suck but the alternative is much, much worse. Yeah. Much, much worse. Right? So we went through the stories where the gods give mankind work. And I, I think this is really important because people our age and younger think that work is like somehow uh, a burden. Yeah. That it's, it, it's like a binding. Right. Right? That I've heard people my age and younger talk about work like it's slavery. You know, like, oh, I wish I didn't have to work. I wish I could just like be on the beach all the time. Your life would suck. Dude, that's Your not... life would suck and you would do nothing. You would, your life would be horrifically uneventful. You would help no one, 
right? Including yourself. Yeah. And you, you just would not have a fulfilled life. You'd have no meaning, right? Work is what liberates you. You understand? The more you work, the more money you have, the freer you are. Mm-hmm. All right. Work is a liberating thing. And, you know, it's one of those things, man. It's like you, you've got to get this through your head, folks. You've got to get it through your head. Work is what frees you. Yes. It's like, you know, I've talked about this in the past two episodes, and I know I have a lot, and I've talked about this guy a lot. 50 Cent. 50 Cent stopped rapping about eight years ago. Yeah. Um, but what did he do? He continued to work. And he bought Coke. He bought Coke. Uh, Coke not Coca Cola. What was it he bought? No, he sold. He um, sold a vitamin water. Vitamin water. There you go. Coca-Cola. To Coca Cola. That dude. Yeah. He discovered vitamin water and sold to Coca Cola. Yeah, he invested in it heavily. Yes. Yes. And I mean, built it in up. boxing companies. He's invested in. Like yes. that dude's still working hard. Well, you know, and uh, the healthiest elderly people I know. Never stopped working. Like they retired. I'm doing the air quotes right yeah, now. You yeah. can't see it. They retired. Yeah. But they didn't really retire. Right. All right. They continued to work. And those people end up living longer. And the, those people that retire, I mean, you've seen them, the guys that retire and all they want to do is like play golf and sit on the couch and watch TV. Or probably get hooked on drugs. They die quickly. Easy. They go downhill yep. because they're not working. It's a part of your intrinsic nature as a human being. You were not built for play. All yeah. right. Play is like. Play is like, or recreation, let's say, because that's a better word than just like play. Right, right. Recreation is, it's first, sm- it's it's intended to be taken in in small doses. Okay. Right? Uh, just like drugs. Like yeah. I, I'm a big proponent of, of drug use, not irresponsible drug use. I'm, I'm a proponent of, uh, of responsible drug use, decriminalization, even legalization. Right. Right? And, but if you do drugs all the time. Oh, you're fucked. Man. Yeah, you're totally screwed. You DMT like, every day? Yeah, yeah. Or you do mushrooms every day. Oh, or even shit. you smoke weed every day. Oh, and, dude, you're done. Dude, there's so many people out there that think, oh, you can just smoke weed every day and it's fine. Yeah. No, you can't. No, no. <laughs> no, you can't. No. It's a powerful, real drug. Because then you're going to get hooked more and more. You're going to smoke more and more because your tolerance is so high. Well, and it's all about dopamines. Like, you yeah. know, when it, when, or it's all about dopamine. Uh, whenever you smoke weed, you increase your dopamine. Your brain releases a lot of dopamine. So mm-hmm. your brain gets used to the dopamine levels being very high. Right Then if ever you can't smoke, you get depressed yeah. because you're used to that dopamine level. Right. And, of course, having high dopamine levels and high numbers of dopamine or high levels of dopamine receptors can, can just make you depressed in general right um and that's why weed is a depressant i know there's so many people out there right now weed's not a depressant it's not a depressant yeah, it is yes it is it, it is, is. <laughs> yes, oh dude it you, is. you don't know how many people do that i know personally in this business that they're out of weed and they'll go to try hit their resident when you're scraping up your resident oh, yeah when you're scraping up your resident from your bowl yeah the ash that's uh, that's gonna black black stuff that yeah is Probably yeah. not supposed to smoke. When you're, yeah, when you're smoking resin, you're fucking desperate. You're an addict. You might as well just be yeah. licking a bag of cocaine that you already finished, and you're licking the bag yeah, now because yeah. you want more. Yeah, if you're smoking, you might resin, as well. You're an addict. Yes, thank you. <laughs> you're an addict. Thank you. You know, yes, definitely, definitely. I know so many people like that, especially in this business that we're in. Oh yeah, yeah. You know it, that it's ridiculous. I'm out. I gotta now, scrape this and that. As as big a proponent as I am of of decriminalization and legalization, I will say that just like anything else. You can overdo it easily, mm-hmm. very, very easily. Mm-hmm. So recreation is just like drugs or just like cheeseburgers or, or mm, just like anything else. You're supposed to take it in small doses and then put it down because you are primarily wired to work. You don't eat cheeseburgers every day because you have a heart attack. Right. You don't do drugs every day because 
something's gonna happen because a myriad there's of a things. lot of things yeah, that could a happen myriad, I can, there, a whole yeah there's some yeah there's a ca- some if I, you will i can't narrow down on one thing yeah, there's we, so many things we, that yeah happen we to can't you. even list them all off no. so many things can go no, wrong yeah. with habitual drug use yeah you know so yeah recreation is one of those things that you you are supposed to take in small doses mm-hmm. and people don't damn man especially our age and younger don't get that they think that we're made for recreation no, no. we are made to work mm-hmm. recreation is what you do to give yourself a little break from work so that you don't run yourself into the ground right all right so it, just like anything else work can kill you too if you overdo it yeah um, you know bruce lee was a perfect example of that that man worked himself quite literally to death yeah you bruce know lee, yeah <laughs> to it's death like the people that smoke weed i mean and i don't have nothing against like i'm not talking shit about nobody the people that do it like they come to work high i, I can never do that because i can't concentrate like that right uh dude doesn't it feel better after a hard day of work, after 5 o'clock, after a hard, long day of work, after 8 hours of hard work, then you go do it? Like, doesn't that feel better to you? If it does to me, like, yes. really, dude, not, like, before, during work, that yeah, work, yeah. Right? It, just, see, it doesn't that, make sense yeah, to me. Yeah, that's trying to mix your, your recreation with your work. Yes, and that's, it's not the good. Two, the two do not, they're not commensurate. No. Right? They do not mix. It's no. like oil and water. No. You know, and some people say, well, you got to do what you love, and then it's not work. No, it's still work. Yeah. You know? It's still work. <laughs> it's you're still, still if you're getting work. paid, it's work. Yeah. Believe me, like, doing what you love doesn't mean that it's not going to be hard. Yeah. And that it's not going to be it's not going to be difficult. It's not going to be painstaking. Yeah. It's still going to be you, – you you love it, but it's still going to be I mean, painstaking. just like one of my favorite per- people in the world. You think Floyd Mayer went 50-0 and 0 easy? No. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. That's a lot of hard work. You've you seen his training? Tell, you no can... alcohol, no weed, no right. nothing. No weed. No alcohol. Yeah. Simplest things that everybody does. None of that. He does not put that in his body. And, and you know that you know he's got to love boxing. You know, You dude, know he's got to love got boxing. To. But at the same time – at the same time, despite the fact that he loves boxing, you got to know that it's hard on him and that it's not easy for him to do what he did. And that there were probably some days he was thinking to himself, man, I wish I didn't have to do mm-hmm. this. But he put money away, but you he, know. But he did it anyway mm-hmm. because he understood that human beings are wired for work. work. Right. right? They're gotta, wired I'm for I'm done with it. boxing, but now I'm in the office working now. I'm hiring. Right. I'm, I'm signing contracts now. Yeah. 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 yeah the promotions. Oscar De La Hoya. Golden Boy. I mean – after boxing, he continued to work. I got richer, Absolutely. actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he so, sure did. So, I mean, that's just what it is, man. That's just what it is. Yeah, absolutely. There's a, another ancient text uh, dating back to 700 B.C. That's 700 years before Christ, mm-hmm. uh, written by a man named Hesiod. It's Hesiod's – well, I don't know if you can see it. The light's kind of – there we go. Hesiod's Works, Days, and Theogony. This is a, a very old book. You can get your hands on it real cheap. Okay. Real cheap. It's an easy book to get a hold of. Um, but it's it's persisted for 2,700 years. So you better believe there's something to it. Right? If, if a book persists for 2,700 years, there's something Something's to going it. On yeah. There. Yeah. This is like the Bible persisted in its written form for 3,000 years. Uh, some some of the books are actually older than that in the Bible. Uh, so you better believe there's something to it. You know, right. Definitely. <laughs> It's the same kind of thing. But in Hesiod's works and days in Theogony, We'll we'll focus on works because works and days, though it's the same thing, it's the same book. Works is separate from days in there, and we'll we'll talk about theogony in another episode. Um, We'll just focus on works, and uh, in there, so this this particular book, uh, oh, what's his Hesiod was he was a poet. All right, and he lived in the country. He was kind of like the uh, Greek version of a redneck, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but he was like a poet redneck, kind of like Mark Twain, you know? Okay, <laughs> huh, interesting. Yeah, 
but he uh, he wrote this this uh, this book works as like a it was kind of like a fake monologue. Uh, I mean, it was a monologue between him and a hypothetical sibling of his called Percy's, uh, and you know Percy's is supposed to be his brother, and Percy's has screwed up real hard. Percy's won't work. You know, Percy's took his uh, his uh, inheritance from his father and okay. squandered it all. And it, it, the connotation, though he doesn't say it directly, the connotation is, is that Percy's has run to Hesiod. He's like, please help me out. Let me stay on your couch, bro. You know? Yeah. Uh, you know, and Hesiod's telling him, like, no. No, you had your chance. And what Hesiod is essentially saying is like, I'm going to tell you everything you need to know to be successful. I'm not going to help you out, though. You're just going to have to go out there and work and fix your own situation. Right. Right. So I'm going to just go ahead and start. Uh, I'm not going to read the whole thing. Uh, It's not very long, though. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm going to read the important parts here. Okay. Uh, It starts out two kinds of strife. I love this so much. It corresponds with something else that I found on uh, humanprogress.org. We'll get to that here in just a second. Okay. It looks like there's not just one kind of strife. That's Eris, which Eris is the god of strife. Right. Uh, strife in uh, Greek mythology. Right. That's Eris, after all. But two on the earth. Okay, that, that was weird. It looks like that there's not just one kind of strife. That's Eris, after all, but two on the earth. You'd praise one of them once you got to know her, but the other one's plain blameworthy. They've just got completely opposite temperaments. One of them favors war and fighting. She's a mean cuss and nobody likes her, but everybody honors her. This Onri Iris. They have two. It's the god's will. The other was born first, though. Ebony, night, bore her, and Kronos, son who sits high in the thin air, set her in Earth's roots, and she's a lot better for humans. Even even shiftless folks, she gets stirred up to work. When a person's lazy about and or when a person's lazing about and sees his neighbor getting rich because he hurries to plow and plant and put his homestead in order, he tends to compete with the neighbor in a race to get rich. Mm. Strife like this does people good. So potter feuds with potter and carpenter with carpenter. Beggar is jealous of beggar and poet of poet. Now, Perses, you lay these things up in your heart and don't let the mischief-loving Iris keep you from work, spending all your time in the market eyeballing quarrels and listening to lawsuits. A person hasn't any business wasting time at the market unless he's got a year's supply of food put by, grain from Demeter out of the ground. When you've got plenty of that, you can start squabbling over other people's money. Now, uh, not that you're going to get another chance with me. Let's settle this feud right now with the best kind of judgment, a straight one from Zeus. We had our inheritance all divided up, and then you made off with most of it playing up to those bribe-eating lords who love cases like this. Damn fools. Don't know the half from the whole or the real goodness in Mallows and Asphodel. All right, so let's go back one second to that part where he says, when a person's lazing about and sees his neighbor getting rich because he hurries to plow and plant and put his homestead in order, he tends to compete with that neighbor in a race to get rich. Strife like this does people good. So Potter feuds with Potter and Carpenter with Carpenter. Beggar is jealous of beggar and poet of poet. Mm. I like that a whole lot. And he identified something that is absolutely true. Right? When you see somebody working hard, when you see somebody being successful, 
Oh, you want to outdo him. him. Oh, yeah. You want to outdo him, baby. Yep. You want to pass him up. You know, yep. you're like, I can do better than that. I can pass that dude up. That's a, a type of strife. The second half of Eris, he was calling, right, or is what he called it. And I found a really great story, or it's kind of like a kind of like an essay on this uh, website called Aeon. Now, I was directed there by humanprogress.org. Uh, Aeon, uh, in this piece by Joel Moker, M-O-K-Y-E-R. Maybe it's Mokier. M-O-K-Y-E-R? Or, no, M-O-K-Y-R. Okay. Maybe it's Mokier. 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 Yeah, Joel Mokier. Mokier. Uh, this guy, he wrote this really, really interesting essay, I guess it is, kind of, uh, he is uh, Robert H. Strauss, professor of arts and sciences and professor of economics and history at the Northwestern University in Illinois. In 2006, he was, the awarded, he was awarded the biennial Heineken Award for History offered by the Royal Dutch Academy of Sciences. So that's not the beer. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's oh, not the shit. beer. That's uh, the Royal Dutch Academy right, of Sciences. Right. So this guy's credentialed. He knows what he's talking about. Of course. He's not, just, like some, he's not just some idiot. Scrub. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just writing stuff. So uh, Mokier, I'm going to quote him. It should be emphasized that Europe's success was not the result of any inherent superiority of European, much less Christian culture. Oh, I didn't even say, I'm sorry, the title of this was how Europe became so rich. Okay. Uh, and it's on Aeon. A E A E O N. Aeon. Okay. Uh, so, Mokir, it should be emphasized that Europe's success was not the result of any inherent superiority of European, much less Christian culture. It's rather what is known as a classical emergent property, a complex and unintended outcome of simpler interactions on the whole. The modern European economic miracle was the result of contingent institutional outcomes. It was neither designed nor planned. It happened, and once it began... It generated a self-reinforcing dynamic of economic progress that made knowledge-driven growth both possible and sustainable. How did this work? In brief, Europe is political is Europe's political fragmentation spurred productive competition. It meant that European rulers found themselves competing for the best and most productive intellectuals and artisans. Many scholars now believe that the benefits of competing states might have been larger than the costs it's particular oh in particular the existence of multiple competing states states encourage scientific and technological innovation edward gibbon wrote in the decline and fall of the roman empire 1789 europe is now divided into 12 powerful though unequal kingdoms three of them he called respectable commonwealths the rest a variety of smaller though independent states the abuses of tyranny are restrained by the mutual influence of fear and shame gibbon wrote adding that republics have acquired order and stability monarchs Marx have imbibed the principles of freedom, or at least of moderation, and some sense of honor and justice is introduced into the most defective constitutions by the general manners of the time. In other words, the rivalries between the states and their examples to one another also meliorated some of the worst possibilities of political authoritarianism. Mm. Gibbon added that in peace, the progress of knowledge and industry is accelerated by the by the emulations of so many active rivals. So what, what, uh, Mokir, <laughs> <laughs> excuse me, what Mokir was saying is that the reason Europe is 
one of the richest continents in the world is because there's so many fragmented states that aren't they aren't part of one big country right they're all all these little different countries that live next to each other and compete with each other constantly mm-hmm. and it's just like what hesiod was saying here in works right when a person's lazing about and sees his neighbors getting rich because he hurries to plow and plant and put his homestead in order he tends to compete with the neighbor in a race to get rich mm-hmm. that's what these countries were doing in mm-hmm. europe all right strife like this does people good so potter feuds with potter and carpenter with carpenter beggar is jealous of beggar and poet of poet so you know, France was jealous of Germany, right. Germany jealous of Switzerland, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And they competed with each other, especially in the medieval times. The kings would try to employ the most competent intellectuals, the most competent uh, artisans, the most competent uh, carpenters and masons to build the biggest, best palace, the biggest, best uh, cathedrals um, and, and castles and infrastructure for defense, you know, and uh, people to design weaponry and swords and shields. And I mean, all of that and it persisted and still persists today that competition breeds success mm-hmm. right yeah and that's what hesiod's saying here is the competition breeds success now where do you see that most sports sports is a very good one i was going to say capitalism oh, good point <laughs> you yeah know? you're right yeah yeah, yeah. you're right but, but like no but no wait sports, when you talk, right though but you're no, absolutely no, right but what sports. i'm saying is you start talking about like capitalism you're you're right but, I mean, sports, they compete more because I'm going to make more money than this guy. You know, I'm going to make more money than this guy. I'm going to make $400 million. I'm going to make $500 million, That's you know? capitalism. <laughs> goes hand in hand. goes hand yeah. in hand. Yeah. It really does. If you think about it, it really does go hand in hand. Because if, you know, sports teams in socialist countries. I caught myself talking about that. I was like, wait a minute. That is capitalism, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I was about to say, sports teams in socialist countries aren't paid any more than anybody else, right? Right. And that's why they always suck. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> New York Knicks. So capital, <laughs> New York Knicks. Ah, that's funny. <laughs> and so capitalism, what capitalism does is allows a person to be paid commensurate to their level of uh, competence. Okay. Right? So the more competent you are and the more results you produce, the higher you get paid. Right. Right? That creates competition. Someone gets jealous of that. So they try to outdo you. They try to do better. And if they do, they get paid more, you know, and it just keeps going, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The competition spurs on more and more of this. But you, you know what? Like, you know, even like not going to sports talk, but like even you have like a guy like LeBron James. Let me talk about LeBron James. Oh, here we he go. He said, he said, here we go. I'm going to take a pay cut to go play with this guy. I don't want to, I don't care about being paid. If LeBron James is the fourth. He's probably the best player in the game, but he's the fourth highest played player on his team. Because he wanted to take a pay cut. Well, no, that see, and that's but so. A, how is like? Oh no, that's a hallmark of capitalism. Okay, right? so check it out. This is what you do if so you want to win championships. He traded that to win championships. Right. In other words, well, that and if you want to outcompete a competitor, uh huh, you slash your price. Oh. Think about it. Right. This is how. So you lose either way. Well, no, not really. So think about it like this. Okay, so say you want a job. Okay. Right. That someone else has. Right. Let's say that someone else is getting paid $20 an hour. Okay. You go to that person's boss and you say, I'll do the same job, but I'll do it for 15 mm. He's going to hire you and he's going to fire the $20 an hour guy. Why? Because it saves him money, right? But you get benefits from this because now you're getting experience in a $20 an hour job, though you're only getting paid 15 an hour. You're getting experience that you can put on your resume. I worked this job that right. normally pays $20 an hour. Right. You did it okay. for less. Makes sense. Right? So now you can move to another job mm. that gets paid where you get paid 20 or maybe higher. Higher, which he did. Know, because 
you took the pay cut. And don't get me wrong, he went to Los Angeles Lakers. He went to the Los Angeles. He went to Hollywood. Took a pay cut to go to Hollywood. But, Poor guy. But, 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 he's got Hollywood. He's got movies and lines now. Now, all of a sudden, he's a producer. He's got Space Jam 2 yeah, coming out Space next Jam year. Two, yeah. So, I mean, honestly, he's going to make more than he ever would signing a contract. I don't know. I'm not going to lie. I feel like that movie's going to suck. Oh, it's going to suck. <laughs> it's going to fucking suck. It's going to suck. Yeah, I feel like it's going to be gonna bad. It's going to suck, dude. Like, okay, let me tell you this right now. Some players, LeBron James, the players he wanted, actually, for Disney Space Jam 2, three main players right now, Kawhi Leonard, Giannis, the Greek freak, they call him, by the way, the Greek the freak. Greek freak. And Kyrie Irving turned down roles in Space Jam 2. You think they would turn down Michael Jordan? No. No. No, no they wouldn't have. You're right. So, but that's that's what, like, they already turned down those jokes. I don't want to, oh, I'm not Hollywood. Yeah. That's just another story, though. I mean, that's what just, you know, how they think. Right. And they don't want to be Hollywood. They don't want to do that. They, yeah. You know, Milwaukee Bucks. Milwaukee's a small market, obviously. The Greek freak, actually. Yeah. Look him up. Yeah. Honest, I, I, I can duple. He, he, he said, do you ever want to go to LA or New York? He's all, I'm already on a great team. I'm already in a market. I'm in Milwaukee. I'm fine. Yeah. I don't want to make more than that. Well, I mean, shit, dude, he's making how many millions? Like, yeah. Really? Uh, do you need to? It's, but see, he realizes it. Some people don't. Some people say, like, Dude, like, I need to make more. He's like, no, I'm making enough. I'm fine. Right. I'm good. I'm good. You know? Right. And and so we'll go on with uh, with works and days. Now, from there, uh, Hesiod goes into the story of Prometheus, um, which we'll touch on here in a, in a bit more. Uh, he goes on to the five ages of man. We'll skip over that. We'll start here. Justice. Mm-hmm. This is fun. But you, Perseus, you listen to justice and don't cultivate violence. Violent behavior is bad for a poor man. Even a rich man can't afford it, but it's going to bog him down in ruin someday. Or even a, ri- even a rich man, yeah, can't afford it, but it's going to bog him down in ruin someday. There's a better road around the other way leading to what's right. When it comes down to it, justice beats out violence. A fool learns this the hard way. Also, Oath, who's a god, keeps up with the crooked verdicts. And there's a ruckus when the Lady Justice gets dragged through the streets by corrupt judges who swallow bribes and pervert their verdicts. Later, she finds her way back into town, weeping, wrapped in mist, and she gives grief to the men who drove her out and didn't do right by her but when judges judge straight for neighbors as well as for strangers and never turn their backs on justice their city blossoms and their people bloom they find peace all up and down the land and youngsters grow up tall because broad-browed zeus hasn't marked them out for war nor do famine or blight ever afflict folk who deal squarely with each other they feast on the fruits of their tended fields and the earth bears them a good living too mountain oaks yield them acorns at the crown bees and honey from the trunk their sheep and are hefty with fleece and women bear children who look like their parents in short, they thrive on all the good things life has to offer. And I think this is very, very important because when you're working, you ain't uh, like you ain't uh, busy stirring up trouble, right? Right. And right. this is kind of what he's talking about, though. There's a little more to it, but we'll we'll just focus on that. When you're working, you're not stirring up trouble. You're not out on the streets, you right? Know? As a, a lot of young folks get tied up in that. They you know they don't mm-hmm. get jobs when yeah. they're young because they can't because child labor is illegal in America or, for honestly, some stupid be, ass reasons. Or, or honestly, some you're right. You're right. But for some reason, when they're 16, 
there selling dope, making more money than all of us. Well, and if they were able to have a job and legitimately make money without the risk of having to worry about gangs and jail. getting shot and jail, they would do that. And I think it's so stupid that we can't give kids jobs. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't want kids in the coal mines, you know. Oh, I don't definitely. Want, I don't want kids hanging power lines. I don't want kids in I factories mean, getting plenty their of bars. Here. We have busers. Yeah. Like, yeah, busers running a register. Dishwasher. Even. Dishwasher. Sweeping host floors. Stand. Host stand. One of our yeah. own guy, Derek, does that. He's right. nine, 20. Just turned 20. Yeah, just uh, turned 20. He's working. Right. You know, he's All of fine. these jobs, they teach kids how to show up to work on time. How to interact with your bosses, how to interact with your fellow employees, how to interact with customers. On top of that, think about it. If you started working at 10, right? Say you started working at 10 years old. Uh By the time you're 18, you have eight years of work experience under your belt. Yeah. Instead of starting when you're 18 and you don't have eight years under your belt of work experience until you're 26, you're way behind. Yeah. Way behind. I mean, uh, generations before us, like my grandfather's generation, he started working at nine years old. Wow. Nine years old. Wow. You, and the jump start that gives you. Reminds me of something, actually. You're damn near it's a important. decade ahead of kids now. Kids now can't get a job till they're 16, 17, 18, and it gets them behind. All right? And the reason they can't is because we have a damn uh, – we have a damn first off we have child labor laws and secondly we have a minimum wage well i'm sorry folks a kid can't generate seven dollars and fifty cents an hour worth of work they can't they're they're kids all right so if you if you can only pay someone seven dollars and fifty cents an hour nothing below that then they don't get to work at all so which one's better paying someone at five dollars and fifty cents an hour where they actually where they can work and get paid something right. or not employing them at all because they can't generate $7.50 an hour. Right. Exactly. What, what the hell were people thinking? Yeah. And, and you know some more kids that work harder than adults probably doing drugs. Yeah. Well, and now you that's know. what these kids have to do. That's their only option. Sell dope, kick in doors, you know, the steal gof- people's you know, stuff. What, what do you feel about it's kind of on the subject but not really? What do you think about the GoFundMe pages? I think they're great. Yeah. I think it's capitalism at work. It's let me consumers you, let me making. Show you this. Let me uh, show you this. What What do you got? GoFundMe, 1989. I love that. Uh, hold true. on, hold on, hold on. Let me switch the camera to you yeah. so you can show that. Hold on one second. Uh, uh, this is just something that got to me. Like, man, right. point, point it right at the camera. This like was... up close, up close. See it? Uh, no. The lights, the light in the screen aren't working. No, well, no, no. We'll explain what it is. It's a GoFundMe in 1989. A kid, looks like an eight-year-old kid in a lawnmower having a hard time pushing it. Yeah, he's pushing the lawnmower like it looks and like And he's probably like not doing what they're getting paid now. He's probably doing this for ten bucks. Oh, yeah, maybe. Maybe. Maybe he's, five. He's probably getting paid like two, three dollars an hour. Probably. Yeah. If that. This is the only job that takes two hours, mind you, so. Yeah. Less and, than ten. Yeah, and so... It, the, this is this is something that's like, man, if kids could work, if they had an option, then, you know, I'm telling you right now, if you told a kid like, okay, you can sell dope, make a bunch of money, but you might get shot in the face. Yeah. Or you could go mop floors or sweep floors or be a host at a restaurant or bus tables. Yeah, for $5 an hour, but you got no risk of getting shot in the face. Right? No risk of going to jail. If you do, it's a freak accident or you cause it. <laughs> and on top of that, you're accruing work experience that you can put on your resume mm-hmm. right? later on. Think about it, dude. If you were 18 and you had a, a resume of eight years of work experience. How, how do you think I got in the exchange so easy? I was 18 at Surf Club working to 29. How do you think I got in so easy? Yeah. The same like, – same, like, well, I had 11 years ma- – not 11 years management, but 11 years in the imagine, restaurant. But imagine if you had that experience by the and time you were 18. Yeah, I would have – 
Oh man, I would have had almost twenty years you'd, in my belt. You'd be getting paid so much more yep. right now. Yep. I mean, not to say I'm like I'm not saying that it sucks that you're at the exchange. It's great. No, that you're no, at the exchange, I know what you're saying though. But think about it: where you could be if you had twenty years. I know. Of work no, I know what you're saying. Your belt. Yeah. By now, for sure. How Balling. and how <laughs> stupid is it that we won't let kids do easy jobs that kids could do? Right, and it's it's another one of those things, man. Work matures you. You know it what I find more stupid you. though, and I'm gonna stop you right there. Okay. You know what I find more stupid though? What's that? These parents that are drilling these kids that you have to be on a select team in baseball, that you have to be on a select team in basketball and football and play in front of a crowd, but you can't go to work. Right? No pressure. Right? How stupid you have to is deal that? With, you have to deal with the pressure in front of everybody. Even in high school they do that, dude. You know? Yeah. Well, that's oh, yeah. kind of that's kind of up to them to play that sport. So that's another story. Middle, like I'm talking about 10, 11, 12, 13-year-old kids who like, Man, they play on like select team and tournaments. Go out of town. You don't think everyone's watching? They're out of town. They're, of course, everybody's watching. Yes, that, yeah, but, but you, you can't work with no pressure on yeah, you. Yeah, you can't do you something can't that gets you paid. You can't sit. You can't put forks and knife on the table and a menu. But you can hit a baseball, and you better do that right. Yeah, yeah. You can hit a baseball. You can you can put your your very body at risk. And, you know, kids that play football in high school. I knew, man. I knew mm. one guy. Uh, I can't remember his name. It was in Aransas Pass. Okay. I, I went to. Or no, I'm sorry. This is junior high. I uh, went to junior high at Aransas Pass back before Aransas Pass became the meth capital of, <laughs> of the United oh, States. Oh, I thought it always America. has been. Okay. This kid, uh, he was a real great guy, really good athlete. He kicked a 50-yard field goal in seventh grade. Wow. Yeah. Dude, that's amazing. Yeah, that's how good this kid was. Wow. Some NFL players can't even do that. Exactly. Wow. 50-yard field goal wow. in seventh grade. I wow. witnessed it myself. Oh, I believe it. It was, it was crazy. He did it because the varsity team of the high school kicked, I think it was like a 40-yard field goal. For one of their games, and it, it hit the newspaper, and it was a big deal. And he was kind of pissed about that. He was like, "I can do better than that. That's that <laughs> competition, right?" Oh yeah. yeah so yeah. he set up a field goal. Now, of course, this wasn't in a game, like so there wasn't yeah, there no pressure. Yeah, no defensive players rushing Probably him or anything. Eight takes. But we went out to the field. No, it didn't. Oh, you were there personally. Yeah. Okay, I got yeah, you. Got we you. Went no, out no, 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 no I got you. Yeah, I was eighteen. I was starting with. Oh, him. so you saw this? Yeah. He, okay. He was our quarterback, uh, and our kicker. Wow, that's different. Wow. Okay. Well, and as I was starting defense and offense, I was on the field the whole time. The whole time. Seventh grade. Right. You can get away with it. Right, 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 right. Um, So uh, we set it up. He kicked the 50 yard field goal on the first shot. God damn. Right? Eighth grade, he got his his knee got hit the wrong way, fucked his knee up forever. Man, that kid should have went pro. So he could put his body on the line playing football. But he couldn't. He couldn't. You wait can't tables. drop a menu off. Yeah. You can't write something down. Yeah. You can't wait tables and get paid. Why? You can't work a register and get paid. But you can wrestle. You can go Golden Gloves boxing at eleven. Yeah. Why? You can get hit in the head at eleven, but you can't put menus and knives and forks down and get paid. Right. How stupid is? I this? mean, it kind of reminds me of the whole thing that you can go to War at eighteen, but you can't drink till three years later. Yeah. Yeah. How insane. I mean, is I'm not. That? Saying, and don't get me wrong, guys. I'm not saying bring the drinking law down to eighteen. I'm not saying that whatsoever. I am. That's exactly what I'm saying. Well, fuck it then. Let's do it. Uh, I'm 30 now, so I really don't give a fuck. Yeah. Because I can drink whenever I the fuck I want to. But what I'm saying is like, why? What this doesn't make sense. It yeah. does not no, make it doesn't. sense. It's like it's like kind of like the TBC law to where like, if I want to go order a pint, I mean, if I want to go order a pitcher of beer, you have to be with me. But if I want to get bottles, or I want a bottle of Crown or Jameson at my table, I can be by myself. Yeah. What? Well, and what what the reason I say pushing it down to eighteen is a good idea is because all you do when you take the age, the drinking age, and bump it up to twenty one is encourage underage drinking. 
because 18-year-old kids are going to drink. No matter what. That's all. They're going to drink. No matter you're what. You're not going to stop them. They'll find a way. Yeah, they will find a way. So all you're doing is encourage un- encouraging underage drinking. Drop it down to 18. Now kids can go out in public where it's safe, where there are cops, you know, where, the, where there are other adults monitoring them, and they can drink in a safe environment. No. When, you, when you make them have to hide it, they do it at house parties where there's nothing but kids, no adult supervision, no, no, uh, nobody like watching yeah. them, like making sure that they're not being insane. No cops, you know. Nobody cut them off. Exactly. Nobody I cut them saying. off. So it's it it makes the situation extremely unsafe. Not only that, you know what else they'll do? And I know we have them here, but because we're more of a restaurant and bar, but mostly bars. You know what they will do too? They'll give people more jobs. They'll give 21 years. Right. You can drink at that age, so you know what it tastes like. You can explain the taste to people now. Yes. Now you can be a door guy at 18, 19, 20. If you're big enough, why not? If you're in wrestling, I'm sure you can be a door guy. Yeah. If you're in boxing, Golden Gloves boxer at 17, I'm sure you can be a door guy at any bar. Uh, people don't think of it like that, though, man. Like, you can get more jobs doing that just because you drop the age well, drinking. And on top that of that, you can learn eight, more quicker, too. Yeah, 18-year-olds could, could – uh, like well, like you were saying, they could drink so they could be customers. They can be more knowledgeable so you would, too. You would have to hire more bartenders yes. to tend to those customers. Yes, and those bartenders could be eighteen, nineteen, twenty because yes. if they can old enough to drink, they're old enough to serve. And I know eighteen is you can serve here, but it's very rare. Well, and on top of that, it's like you don't know what you're doing though. Like I don't mean like because you're so young, but because you can't drink. You don't know you like just, what cocktails are good. No, you don't, you don't. know what wine you, is good. Like you explained it the best the other day. Like I never had a margarita with um, jalapeno juice and olive juice to Eula. Let me try yours, and that yeah. was great. Oh, it's amazing, oh, isn't dude. it? But I would never get. But point is, I would never get to try if I was eighteen or nineteen. I had to spit it out. Yeah, never got to try it. Yeah, and so, I mean, it's, it is great. It's amazing, actually. Yes. By it, the way, yeah. By the way, if you're making margaritas, get you some olive juice and some jalapeno juice. What do you do? Fifty fifty. I, I just do a couple squirts of both out of a little squirt bottle. Okay, but e- equal parts. Yes, equal parts. Okay, okay, equal okay. Parts. Okay. See, so yeah, if you put, if you're one of those crazy people that puts orange juice in a margarita, stop. That's an Italian margarita. Yeah. Just call it that. Stop. Amaretto, pour amaretto on you might as well. Yeah, stop it. It's put not... jalapeno juice. Put a little olive juice in there. Oh, yeah. Blow your mind, baby. Blow your mind. Good. I'm gonna have one after work. After, right? work, after this work. Yeah. <laughs> but so yeah. So what Hesiod is saying here, in and we'll, we'll, we're gonna get back to the story. And dude, I love the diamond, the the, the dynamic of this episode where man, we're riffing back and forth. Really right. Good. I like this a lot. Right. I think so far this is our very best. I episode. think so too. <laughs> but, well, like uh, the other, like the other ones. Sorry, but the other ones, like I was learning more than anything. I was like, whoa. Like I knew the stories, but I'd never compared the to right. like the abyss thing and yeah like, yeah you know all right go on but uh so what Hesiod's saying here is if you're working and it, you're not getting into trouble and people that get into trouble people that ignore justice people that treat other people poorly they don't do well because they're busy being violent and not working mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and that makes things worse mm-hmm. that makes that makes your society fall apart all right uh Hesiod goes on women stop bearing children whole families die off by Zeus uh, by Zeus's Olympian will or another time he might lay low their army or tumble down their city walls or sink all the ships at sea rulers and lords it's up to you to observe this justice there are you know immortal beings abroad in the world who do observe what corruption and fraud men grind down their neighbors and destroy the state and if they'd never hurt uh, 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 hold on let me restart that because this is profound and i read that all wrong yeah yeah, let's hear it again rulers and lords it's up to you to observe this justice there are you know immortal beings abroad in this world who do observe with what 
with what corruption and fraud men grind down their neighbors and destroy their state as if they'd never heard of angry gods. 30,000 spirits there are on this earth in in service to Zeus, watching the human race, overseeing trials for criminal acts. Invisible they roam all through the land, cloaked in mists. And there's the virgin Justice, Zeus's own daughter, honored and revered among the Olympian gods. Whenever anyone hurts her by besmirching her name, she sits down by the son of Kronos, her father, and speaks to him about men's unjust hearts until the people pay for their foolhardy rulers' unjust verdicts and biased decisions. Guard against this, you bribe-eating lords. Judge rightly. Forget your crooked deals. Plan harm for another and harm yourself most. The evil we hatch always comes home to roost. Now, again, this is it's one of those things, man. If, if you're doing evil, you're not working, right? You're not doing what's right. And also, it's, this is one of those things, the natural consequence of doing evil, of, of judging un, unjustly, of treating people less than human beings or treating people unfairly. The natural consequence is calamity. All right. And he talks about it here, like that whole women stop bearing children, whole families die off by Zeus's Olympian will. Like if if you if you are doing immoral things in your society, if your whole society is immoral, nothing truly good is getting done and things start to fall apart. Your infrastructure falls apart. Your culture falls apart. Nobody wants to work with anybody. Nobody wants to trust anybody. Mm-hmm. Why would they? Well, you know, reason because, to, yeah. yeah, because no one's treating anyone fairly. Right. So they don't want to trust anyone without trust. Well, there are three things that make a society work, and I, I learned this. Oh, man, I can't remember the man's name. I feel bad. He's a professor at McLennan Community College. I feel real bad because he's a real good guy. He taught me the three T's of society, of any civilization. Truth, trust, and turn-taking in speech. Truth, trust, and turn-taking in speech. Without those three things, everything falls apart. That's what Hesiod's saying here. You know, of course, he's an ancient person. He's part of ancient society. So he says, Zeus comes and punishes you. Well, if you think of God as the structure of reality... Mm-hmm. Right, the very structure of reality. When you don't do something right, the structure of reality punishes you. Just like uh, I think I, I said it in one of the other episodes, where uh, Louisiana was punished by God uh, during Katrina because they didn't maintain the levees. This is something that Jordan B. Peterson talks about. Mm-hmm. They didn't maintain the levees correctly, so. The hurricane devastated the city of New Orleans. So you could think of that as God's wrath. And they incurred God's wrath because they didn't maintain the levees. It was a natural consequence of not doing what's right. Mm-hmm. You see, had they maintained the levees, they wouldn't have incurred God's wrath, right? Right. So if you think of God as the structure of reality, when you do things right, you get, for the most part, don't worry. Some people get laid low. They get taken out at the knees even when they do the right thing. Right. But for the most part, if you do the right thing and you treat other people as equals, you treat them fairly, right? You don't do horrific and moral things. Everyone gets along and things get done, right? You don't run into as much calamity. And that's what Hesiod's talking about here. Uh, it, let's see. The story goes on. Uh, I'm going to skip a few parts and jump right in. But to men... He gave justice, and that works out all, all to the good. If you know in your heart what's right and come out and say so, broad-browed Zeus will give you prosperity. But if you bear false witness or lie under oath and, and by damaging 
justice, ruin yourself beyond hope of cure. Your bloodline will weaken and your descendants fade out. But a man who stands by his word leaves a strong line of kinfolk. So he's saying, don't lie. Mm. Don't lie. This is something that Dr. Jordan B. Peterson talks about constantly. Don't lie. Lying makes you weak. Well, it's one of my favorite saying, the truth shall set you free. Yes, absolutely. The truth shall set you free. Even if you're wrong, the truth shall set you free. It might drive you crazy first, but... Oh, it will. It, it will. will. Trust me, it will. It'll set you free it, for trust sure. Trust me, it will. Yeah, but, you know, don't lie. Lying is psychologically damaging. Right. If you lie, it, you know, and Jordan B. Peterson talks about this, like how it's, like, lies. Um, and we talks about this in the Soviet Union, about how two-thirds of the population were informants for the Soviet Union, the Communist Party. Uh And they would lie about their neighbors. They would lie about their friends and get them uh, put into the gulags. You know, anyone Uh they didn't like, anyone that had maybe pissed them off a little bit, they'd go and lie and say, oh, well, you know, I saw them, you know, uh, stomping on the flag, you know, or I heard them or I heard them talking about capitalism or, you know, I heard them talk bad about Stalin. You know, of course, it's a lie. Of course. And those lies turned that entire country into a tumultuous pit of utter chaos. Mm -hmm. You know, don't lie. Nope. You know, even if it's a little, even if it's a little lie. It doesn't matter. Lies a lie. They compound and each lie makes reality worse Mm -hmm. and worse and worse. Not just for you. But for everyone around you, Mm -hmm. you know, and then that spreads and it spreads and it spreads like a disease. You know, lying is terrible. It Mm -hmm. spreads like a disease to other people, you know, just don't lie. Pretty easy. (laughs) Now I'm speaking sense to you, Percy's, you fool. It's easy to get all of the wickedness you want. She lives just down the road a piece and it's a smooth road too. But the gods put goodness where we have to sweat to get her. It's a long uphill pull and rough going at first, but once you reach the top, she's as easy to have as she ha- as she was hard at first. Mm. I love that. I'm going to read that again. Now I'm speaking to you, Percy's, you fool. It's easy to get all the wickedness you want. She lives just down the road a piece, and it's a smooth road too, but the gods put goodness where we have to sweat to get at her. It's a long uphill pull and a rough going at first but once you reach the top she's as easy to have as she was hard at first wow see that that's nice yeah it's hard to do good why because it's worthwhile if it was easy it wouldn't be worth doing and you wouldn't you wouldn't be responsible with it you wouldn't be responsible it's it's like wisdom wisdom is hard to and knowledge wisdom and knowledge are hard to get they're mm-hmm. difficult. It seems as if the structure of reality itself, you can think of it as God or whatever. The structure of reality itself seems to make goodness, wisdom, and truth hard to get to, right? It makes it difficult because if it wasn't difficult, you'd be irresponsible with it. You'd get that knowledge. You'd get that wisdom, and you'd use it wrong. You'd use it for ill. You'd use it haphazardly. I mean, like, you know, it's you see it with kids, man. Kids that are given everything. They got that silver spoon, you know. Once they're given everything and, and they never had to work for any of it, they squander it all because they don't know what it took to get that they didn't uh, they didn't have to work for it they didn't understand the immense amount of of hardship the immense amount of blood sweat and tears that went into getting everything they were given so they use it improperly they use it 
flippantly. They use it in such a way that it is squandered quickly. Pearls to the swine, if you will. Like in the story of the prodigal son, or even in the story of the uh, or the parable of the talents told by Jesus, all right. And so that that's what Hesiod is saying here. He's saying, man, if goodness were easy, then you just it wouldn't be worth getting, and you'd use it wrong, all right. It goes on. Best of all is the man who sees everything for himself, who looks ahead and sees what will be better in the end. It's a good man to. Too, who knows how to make good advice or how to take good advice now that kind of man is a real good for nothing so at least listen Perseus. you come from good stock and remember always to work work so hunger will hate you and demeter the venerable crowned goddess will smile on you and fill your barn with food hunger is the lazy man's constant companion god's hate him and men do too the loafer who lives like the stingless drones wasting the hive's honey without working themselves eating free you've got to schedule your work so your sheds will stay full of each season's harvest it's work that makes men rich in flocks and goods when you work you're a lot dearer to the gods god man that's powerful isn't it that's powerful. Now, remember, in all these stories, the gods are the ones that give man, mankind work. They tell man, or they not just tell man, but they give man the ability to work. And this ability frees them from their ignorance, from their animal-like existence. And I love the way he put that, man. Uh, hunger is the lazy man's constant companion. Mm. Gods hate him, and men do too. The loafer who lives like the stingless drones, wasting the hive's honey without working for themselves, eating free. You've got to schedule your work so your so your sheds will stay full of each season's harvest it's work that make men rich in flocks and goods when you work you're a lot dearer to the gods so work is the gift of the gods it liberates you man it doesn't matter if you're sweeping floors or mopping floors or no. washing windows washing dishes it doesn't matter selling cars if, it don't yeah, matter selling cars waiting tables hitting a baseball sitting behind a desk at a, at a tech firm it doesn't matter what your work is your work is is the divine charge given to you by the gods or by god or by the structure of reality however you want to look at it it doesn't matter it it, it is your divine charge. It is your duty to work, not just for this, not just for your own sake, but for the sake of society itself, and for for the sake of your sanity, for yeah. Christ's sake, you know. So you can stay sane. So you can be productive. So you can give back to your community. Your work is important. Mm -hmm. It's important, and it doesn't matter what you're doing, man. You your work is the work of the gods. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> It's the work of the gods, and so go about it like it is, right. you know? Mm -hmm. If you're mopping floors and you're thinking to yourself, man, I'm better than this. I'm above this. No, you're not. No. That's the work of the gods, mopping those floors. So get to mopping those floors, man, and do it to the very best of right. your ability. Be the best at it, no matter what you do. Yeah, no matter, no matter what, what you, do. you do, you know? Mm-hmm. And to... And let's see, it says, uh, oh, yeah, when, you're work, when you work, you're a lot dearer to the gods and to people, too. Everybody hates a layabout. Work's no disgrace. It's idleness that's a disgrace. If you work, the layabouts will soon be envying you getting rich. With wealth comes honor and glory. No matter your situation, it's better to work. 
Better for you too, Percy's, if you'd only get your mind off other folks' property and work at earning a living as I keep telling you. Shame is sometimes a blessing, sometimes a curse. Shame, the bad kind, is the poor man's companion. Shame for the poor, assurance... Eh, assurance for the rich. So shame for the poor, assurance for the rich. Wealth's better not grabbed but given by the gods. If a man lays hold of wealth by main force, or if he pirates it with his tongue, as happens all too often when greed hoodwinks a man's sense and decency gets crowned out by its opposite, the gods whittle him down just like that shrink his whole, just like that shrink his household, and he doesn't stay rich for long. It's the same thing when somebody wrongs a suppliant or a guest or gets into the brother's bed or gets into his brother's bed and does with his sister-in-law what just isn't right. Or like a damn fool wrongs an orphan or raises his voice to an old pappy using harsh language with him when he's at death's door. Zeus himself gets angry with a man like that and in the end makes him pay for his wrong, wrongful acts. But you keep your foolish heart away from such behavior and according to your means sacrifice to the gods observing ritual purity when you burn the fat of the thigh bones and on occasion appease them with libations and incense both before you sleep and when the holy light returns so you may so they may bless you from proportionous heart uh, whoa proprietous oh excuse me Pro, no propitious hearts Ooh, that's a weird word i didn't run I'm, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, propitious hearts and you buy up other folks farms instead of them buying yours invite your friend to a feast leave your enemy alone and you and be sure to invite the fellow who lives close by this part i love if you've got some kind of emergency on your hands neighbors come lickety split kinfolk take a while a bad neighbor's as much of a curse as a good one's a blessing you've got a real prize if you've got a good neighbor nary an ox would be lost if it weren't for bad neighbors get good measure from a good neighbor and give back as good a measure for measure or better if you're able so when you need something later you can count on him then so I love this uh, this kind of like he's he's telling you like be good to your neighbor because your neighbor's going to help you out even faster than family will because mm. family's not as close as your neighbor your neighbor's right, right there. I mean you can't pick I mean you really can't pick your neighbors but I like the whole saying you can't pick your blood you can pick your friends right yeah yeah and so he's saying like be good to your neighbors because man your neighbors will be there for you wow you know it's like it's it, true though man that yeah, actually is very true. they're right there yeah you know every time I go out of town I hey I got you don't worry about it I got the house don't worry about it. I don't know what's going on. Hesiod goes on. Don't make dirty money. Dirty money spells doomsday. Return a friend's friendship and a visitor's visit. Give gifts to the giver. Give none to the non-giver. The giver gets gifts. The non-giver gets naught. And gives and gives a good girl, but gimme's a goblin. Oh, so many millennials need to need that line right there. And gives a good girl, but gimme's a goblin. All right, gimme, gimme, I want it now, I want it now, and I deserve it. That's a goblin, and by God, did he get that one right. Yeah, you did. know, you want to talk about destroying your life real quick? Be entitled and think that people should give you things just because. You know, that's a good way to, to just ruin your life. Uh, and this part right here, this last part, uh, oh, no, wait, there's there's a little more. But let a man turn greedy and grab for himself even something small. It'll freeze his heart stiff. It's the savor, 
staves or it's the saver staves off feverish starvation. If you put away a little each day, even that little will soon be a lot. What's laid up at home doesn't worry a man. Home's best for a body. It's a dangerous world. I don't quite agree with that one, but whatever. Mm. It's a <laughs> it's a great help to yourself from stores on hand and a pain in the neck to need what's not there. You know, Ooh, yeah. When a jar's full or near empty, enjoy all you want. Go easy in between. It's cheap to nurse the dregs. Mm. All right. And if the spirit within you moves to get rich, do as follows. And this is the most important message in works right here. And if the spirit within you moves you to get rich, do as follows. Work, work, and then work some more. <laughs> I love it. I <laughs> yeah. love it. Yeah, dude. I'm telling you, this this book right that's here. That's awesome, dude. Hesiod's that's awesome. That, that's way ahead of its time, that book. Huh? It's ahead of its time, that oh, book, dude. it seems like. I, I feel like that this was something that, I mean, obviously not everyone knew about it because, like, he wouldn't write it down if he did if he thought like well everyone knows about this I don't need to write it down so the, yeah it was one of those things man he was observing that there were people back then in 700 BC that didn't understand this concept that work sets you free right mm-hmm. that it's not a burden it's something that without work you just you fall apart you know and it, I love that if if the spirit stirs you to get rich man work <laughs> would do as follows work work and work some more baby don't you sound know, bad at all <laughs> get to it. Get to it. Get on the grind. Get your yeah. hustle on. Get your hustle on. Yeah, man. It, it's so crazy how that works, dude. It's You just you get to work, man, and your life starts to improve. It's great, right? You know, and he talked about there in saving. You'll save up some for a rainy day or for an emergency or for a retirement because, dude, if you don't, it's going to drive now, you mad. Now, let me mad. ask you this, though. Is there such thing, though, do you think as if, uh, let's say – you know, people that have two jobs. Is this a thing in the middle that it could burn you out too? Absolutely. You can burn yourself out. It's, uh, With work. Yeah. If we're seven days a week, you have two jobs every week. I know like one no, of our no, employees it, does. Well, a couple we, of our employees do. We just talked about that earlier. About right. How too much of any one thing doesn't matter what right, the one right. thing Makes is. It, yeah, you're right. It can kill you. Yeah. You know. You're right. We did talk about that. Yeah. And so, man, I, I, I tell you, you can overdo anything. And it doesn't matter how good that thing is or how good it seems. You can overdo anything. Dude. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can overdo sex. You can, you know, <laughs> you can make your genitals numb with sex. <laughs> Seriously, you overdo it and now you can't feel it anymore. Yep. Wonderful. You know, you can overdo drugs. You can overdo alcohol. You can overdo food. You can overdo anything, including work. I mean, right. like I was saying, Bruce Lee quite literally worked himself to death. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he worked out so hard all day, every day, seven days a week that it killed him. Mm-hmm. You know, and you can look up the story of Bruce Lee. I'm not going to go through it. Uh, you know, and some people would contest that and contend, oh, the Chinese, they drugged him and they killed him. Well, there's no proving well, that. Well, we can do another episode on that later. Yeah, there's no proving that. Like, that's a conspiracy theory at best. And, hey, maybe that happened. But what it seems to me is that the man worked himself to death. Mm-hmm. Because he just wouldn't stop. He okay. wouldn't stop. Even when he was hurt. Even when he was sick. Even when he wasn't feeling it, man. He just went out and worked and worked and worked until it killed him. That's where he became the greatest. <laughs> yeah. But, so you can't overdo work. But, man, I, I can tell you this right now. Most people in America don't overdo work. They underdo it. Oh, definitely. Especially people our age. Yeah. God, because they think life's all about play. Mm-hmm. There's somebody who works here that thinks life's all about play. Oh, exchange. Yeah. No, I had a conversation with him and it blew me away. Really? Yeah. Uh, yeah. She, they. Oh, <laughs> it narrows it down a little bit, yeah, but it's still yeah. there. They more. said to me that life's all about play. 
and what? that you only work so that you can play. And I was like, you no. got it backwards. Whoa. You got it backwards. Whoa. And this particular person is all they always have financial trouble and they always they're always in some kind of pinch, mm. you know, mm. and they never get ahead. This particular person. I mean, I wonder why. Has no retirement fund, has like, you know, a bank account that isn't more than a couple hundred dollars. Paycheck to paycheck. Yeah, yeah. But it shouldn't be. Right. It makes enough money to to be able to save, makes enough money to be able to do it, but this person spends it all as they get it Mm -hmm. because they think life's all about play, you know? And it was just like, man. I, and I just wasn't getting through to him, no matter how much I was just telling him. Just, just wasn't can, getting through dude, to you him. You just can't. There's no way. You know? And it's because they don't know stuff like Hesiod's Works, Days, and Theogony. Yeah. They don't read this stuff in school. This book right here, Works, Days, and Theogony, this should be required reading in every single junior high. Mm-hmm. You should have to read this to graduate from junior high. I love that. I love that. You know? I, and I don't understand why it persisted for 2,700 years. It's worth something, you know. Read Works Days and Theogony. Hesiod's Work Days and Theogony. Read it. Mm-hmm. It will change your life if you take to heart the message, right. you know. Right. These people back in the day, they knew what they were talking about. They they went through everything we're going through now, all the problems we have now. Times 10. <laughs> they went through it, yes, times 10. And they understand how the world works. They figured a lot of these problems out a long time ago, mm-hmm. folks. So just listen to them. Yep. Listen. History is important, man. And this is part of history. Sure, it's it's kind of like a religious work, you know, on top of like a, a social commentary kind of work. But it still reflects it reflects a, a a persistent problem that that mankind has been repeating over and over and over again i want to play i don't want to work mm-hmm. you know life's all about play it's not about work it's like that uh, that excerpt excerpt of wisdom that i read in that last episode 1. about 2. yeah about how the you know the nihilist the goes after the impulsive pleasure you know, about how, you know, it's all about living for the moment. It's all about now, mm, yeah. you know, it's all, let's get the pleasure in now before we die and fade away. You know, that's wrong. It's wrong. Yeah. You work now so you can play later in small doses. Because if you try to play all the time, you'll be broke. You'll be worthless. Miserable. And you'll be a sick. You'll be a psychological mess. Yeah. Right. Because you're built to work. Mm-hmm. You're not built to play. No. You're not built to throw up every morning, get that hangover, have the headache, right? throw up five times every morning. You're not built for that. You're not supposed to do that. Right. And these ancient stories, they tell you, like in, in all of these stories, they tell you the gods made man to work. God made man to work. Right. Especially since we're aware of the future. Right. Yeah. We know what's going on. We know what's up. The future is very, like, if you, I'm not saying you can't, you should be able to tell the future, but you shouldn't be, no, you should know what's up. In the fact that you, you know that there's, you should know what's up because you don't know what's up. So in other words, save your money because you don't know what's yeah, going to happen. But you know that the future is a thing. Like animals exactly. don't know exactly, about the exactly. They That's don't know that the say, future yeah. is a thing. They quite literally live moment to moment. Right, live for the moment. Right. And now I've heard a saying one time: um, when I live for the moment, there ain't none greater than me. That's not such a great thing, though. No, it really isn't. It's not. No, it's not. And so don't get me wrong. At the time, it sounded really good. Yeah. When I live for the moment, there ain't none greater than me. No, it's really because after that moment, that's it. That's all you have is that moment. Right, and then it's gone. That's it. Right, and then it's You lose everything. It's that's gone. It. Just like that. Snap of a finger. It's done. Yeah, 
you, it, we're not made to live for the moment. No. We're simply not made for it. No. We're made to think about the future, to be aware of the future, and to work to sacrifice now mm-hmm. for the future. To make a bargain with the future, if you will. Right. A bargain. You know? I think in episode one, I talked about, I brought up, I brought up the subject, actually. I was like, what about those people who think that, uh, well, God might take me away in two weeks and two weeks. And I think you made a very well point that um, it's a defeated, it's a defeated mind state. It yeah. really is. And it really is. Like, I really, I mean, that's been probably a month since we've done that episode. So I've got time to think about that. And it really is a defeated mind yeah. state. Like. You can't think like that. No, you gotta work like you're gonna live forever. You you have to. Yeah. What, what was it saying? Like, what was the one of my first thing that you said? Uh, I forgot who said it, but it was like something that you gotta act like God's gonna come now, but then you gotta also live like He's never gonna come. Exactly. Yeah. That's great. If, if you want to be prosperous, right? If you want to be prosperous, you gotta work like you're gonna live forever. Right. 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 And you know, and it, yeah, it's one of those things like you can't, you can't. You can't be lazy and expect to be happy. No, that doesn't mean it's sense. not going to happen. No. And, you know, and, and people have tried it. I know I tried it for a long time. Oh, I, I would love to do that. You know, Don't I tried it for a long time because I thought life was all about play. It was like I was telling you how I hit that bout of nihilism. Right. It was in that very same time. It was because I thought life was all about play. Yeah. I thought that work was a burden. That it was a curse. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm getting money so I can buy this. Yeah. And and remember, you know, we talked about that in the story of Cain and Abel about how that's how Cain, Cain went about sacrificing. He mm-hmm. felt like the fact that he had to sacrifice was a curse, and that's why his sacrifices were being rejected because he was not sacrificing with a good attitude, with a good heart mm-hmm. towards sacrifice. Mm-hmm. You have to understand, folks, that your work is is divine. Mm-hmm. It's divine. It's what you were built to do. <laughs> yeah, that's what you you're know? meant for. Yes, and it will make you happy. It will set you free. It will liberate you. Right. You All know. Right. It mm-hmm. will absolutely liberate you. Uh, let's let's go on with the story of Prometheus. Okay. You know the story of Prometheus. Well, I, I don't even need the book because I know it. I know the story. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> you probably read that a couple of times. Now I'm gonna give you all. I'm gonna give you all the the esoteric meaning of the story of Prometheus. And this is something I'm giving you a gem here, a rare gem, because all anyone knows is the exoteric uh, message of Prometheus, which is the obvious message. I'm going to give you the not-so-obvious message, the hidden message, if Mm. you will. So Prometheus, after he invents work and gives mankind work, mankind becomes organized and prosperous. Right Then after that, he... Uh, Prometheus uh, advocates for man in the case of uh, the what sacrifices will be allocated to the gods and what sacrifices will be allocated to man. Okay. Right, and so he takes the the animals that are to be sacrificed and he butchers them. And he takes all the bones and the fat and makes a big pile, big big tall pile, and covers it with the skin of the animal or the haunches of the animal. So it it's like this big pile that's covered up. And it looks real good. All right. Then he takes all the meat and makes a smaller pile. All the meat that's good for eating. He makes a smaller pile. And when Zeus comes down to judge which one goes to the gods and which one goes to man, of course, he chooses the bigger pile. Now, in the story, Zeus knows he's being hoodwinked. He knows he's being uh, deceived by Prometheus. But he goes along with the deception anyway. And so what happens is, is that Prometheus... Uh, secures for man the meat 
so that you know when they sacrifice the animals, the meat is is taken off, and mankind can eat it. Mm-hmm. Now this ties into something very important in that there is a, a a very prolific theory out there that it's our eating of meat and cooking meat mm-hmm. uh, that gave us our brain power, right? Because before we were mostly vegetarians, we'd eat raw leaves essentially mm-hmm. just like chimpanzees do. right right and if you eat mostly leaves you have to chew for about 14 hours a day and if you ever looked at a, a chimpanzee and this is something dr jordan b peterson talks about quite a bit if you ever looked at a chimpanzee they've got this real elongated a- abdomen real like barrel abdomen mm-hmm. that's because they have like three times as much intestines as we do why because they have to digest all this really tough vegetation leaves so not only do you have to chew like 14 hours a day just to eat enough to live but you also have to have like miles and miles of intestines to digest it all so we started cooking and eating meat which is much easier to digest than vegetation and that allowed our bodies to take the energy that was being put into forming intestines into forming our brains Mm. right all right and so cooking and eating meat is what made us so intelligent. It's a theory. It's, of course, not 100% proven. And there are some refutations to the theory. But I think the theory is rather sound. Okay. It makes sense to me that cooking and eating meat gave us the ability to put our biological energy into forming our large brains. I can see that. Yes. Yeah. Makes sense. Right. Which, of course, having a large brain gave us a frontal uh, fr- uh, the frontal lobe, which gives us consciousness, which creativity. gives us creativity, yeah. the ability to be intelligent, yeah. to do math, yeah. to understand science. The science, to understand the future, to be aware of the future, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and so that's very important. Then what Prometheus does, and this is what he's most famous for, he steals fire from the gods. Oh. Now – there are a couple different versions of the story. So when Prometheus tricks Zeus and makes him choose the larger pile that's bones and fat, um, Zeus gets mad in one of the versions and takes fire away from mankind to kind of set him back. Okay. Right? So Prometheus goes up, and in some of the versions he goes up to Olympus, and others he goes to uh, the chariot that pulls the sun that Apollo drives a chariot that pulls the sun across the sky. He goes up there and steals fire out of the sun and brings it down. He hides it in a fennel stalk and he brings it down to mankind, giving mankind the ability, of course, to, to have light and to have heat and to be able to cook, you know, and all the, all the wonderful gifts that fire gives us. Right. Or all the wonderful abilities that fire gives us. Right. All right. So, once that happens, Zeus gets real mad. Mm-hmm. He gets real mad at Prometheus. He takes Prometheus and he captures Prometheus and chains him to the wall. He chains him to a mountain or a mountain range called the Caucasus. Oh shit! Right. Once he chains him to the wall, he then sends an eagle to eat Prometheus's liver every day. And overnight, the liver is like it heals and so the eagle comes back and just eats it again and again and again and again and again and the sentence is i do believe for thirty thousand years but zeus also he also well before he chains up prometheus i'm sorry i skipped i skipped a part before he chains up prometheus he makes a woman named pandora now this story is another one that's very famous this woman pandora 
is is made to be the most beautiful thing men have ever seen and all the gods get in on it hermes gets in on it athena gets in on it aphrodite gets in on it a couple of the lesser gods get in on it uh the the like the uh uh, the seasons, okay. some of the lesser gods, they get in on it, and they make this woman just the most gorgeous thing human beings have ever seen. Mm. And Zeus sends it to Epimetheus. Now, remember, Epimetheus is Prometheus's brother, and his name, Epimetheus's name, means afterthought. Mm-hmm. All right, mm-hmm. Prometheus's name means forethought. So Prometheus is all about thinking about the future. Epimetheus doesn't think about things until after the fact. Right, right, right. So of course Epimetheus is is seduced by this woman. And Prometheus warns him. He's like, "Don't take anything Zeus gives you. He's out he's he's mad at us and he's out to get us." All right? But of course Epimetheus doesn't take the warning. Hmm. He accepts the woman as a gift from Zeus and the woman's carrying a jar as a wedding gift. Right, because you know Epimetheus is going to marry Pandora, mm-hmm. and the jar inside the jar, Zeus put everything terrible. He put disease, he put war, he put strife, he put fear, terror, everything you can think of that's bad and evil. He put it in there. At the very bottom, he put hope. Right. So, right whenever uh, Epimetheus marries Pandora, Pandora opens up the jar. Yeah, and out of the jar comes everything evil that plagues mankind. Everything. And right before Hope, which is at the bottom, almost gets out, she shuts it. (laughs) And so so then after that, that's when Zeus takes Prometheus and and chains him to the wall and has the eagle eat out his liver every single day. But he gets released. He gets freed. By the hero Hercules or Heracles, depending on to the Greeks it was Heracles, to the Romans it was Hercules, right? Hercules is after a fruit that's growing on a tree that's guarded by the Hes- Hesperates. I can't say it right. It's a Greek word. Okay, <laughs> uh-huh. look it up. Um, they're um, they're the daughters of Atlas. Okay. A oh titan. wow. Yeah, okay. a, a titan who was also Prometheus's brother, and Atlas is uh, he was cursed to hold up the sky on his head mm-hmm. uh, but his daughters the Hesperate, the Hesperates Hesperates I, I can't say it right <laughs> Hesperates maybe <laughs> they guard the, this tree that has the special fruit on it okay that uh, Hercules has to take it's one of the labors one of the 12 labors of Hercules okay. he has to go get this fruit and while he's doing this he runs across uh, Prometheus chained to the Caucasus and he, he asked Prometheus, like, hey, how do I get to this tree? And Prometheus, you know, he tells him how to get there. But he's like, I'm suffering, man. This is terrible. And and Hercules sees this. And he's his heart is moved. You know, he, he feels sympathy for Prometheus. And he devises a plan to free Prometheus. So he goes earlier, uh, Hercules had made a bad mistake. He had been a, a bad guest. Mm-hmm. Um, and I won't go through the whole thing. But he essentially gets his surrogate father put into a constant comatose state. He, you know, because he's a bad guest, he, uh, he ends up having to fight with uh, a bunch of centaurs. And his surrogate father is Chiron, who is also a centaur. He gets in a fight with all these centaurs and he has to use these special arrows he has that are tipped with a poison that uh, came from the, um, uh, the hydra. 
that okay. he fought in one of the labors. And as he's fighting all these centaurs, shooting off arrows real fast, he hits his surrogate father. Now, his surrogate father was granted immortality by the gods, so he couldn't be killed by the poison. But the poison did put him in a perpetual coma. Mm. And so Chiron is in a perpetual coma. He goes and gets Chiron, and he takes, he gets, he frees Prometheus. He kills the eagle. He frees Prometheus, and he puts Chiron in his place, right? And frees Prometheus forever. Mm. But Prometheus is still made to wear a ring with a chip from the mountain on the ring, so that Zeus can still boast that his his enemy is still bound to the wall. Right. So what does all this mean? This isn't just a fun story to tell kids. Right. All of this has a very deep meaning. So Prometheus, what did Prometheus do? He taught man work. Mm-hmm. He brought man fire. He is the illuminator, the genius, right? He is the, he is the part of, uh, you think of Prometheus, you know, the ancient people, they thought of the gods as like a part of you, you know, they're, they're a part of you. They, they channel themselves through us, right? So Prometheus is a part of us. And Prometheus Definitely. is the part of mankind, the genius part of mankind, that is the illuminator who brings wisdom, who brings knowledge, who understands that work is absolutely necessary, that work is what frees us, work is what makes us actually happy and gives us meaning and fulfillment. That's a part of you. Mm-hmm. That's a part of me. Right. That's a part of every human being. Right. Right? Right. And so that's what Prometheus is. So when Prometheus gets chained to the Caucasus, when he gets when he gets uh, punished by Zeus, this is a natural, or maybe not a natural, but a regular consequence of being someone who is endowed with wisdom and knowledge, being someone who is the illuminator. Right. Right? This is echoed in the stories of Hiram Abiff and in the story, or the story of Hiram Abiff and in the story of Orpheus. Okay. In these stories, uh, Hiram Abiff and Orpheus are both illuminators. They have wisdom and, and knowledge mm-hmm. of secret things. And they're, they're, uh, they're both killed by those who are of a, of a, of a lesser intelligence. Okay. Uh, out of jealousy, essentially. Mm. Uh, and so these jealous figures kill these characters. Well, it's the same kind of thing with Prometheus. So Zeus isn't quite jealous of Prometheus. The, what this is, is it's, it happens in your mind and it happens in society too. So whenever you, when you get to work and you're working hard, right. Right, there's a part of you that hates that. Right, and we've all encountered it. Like God, right? when you're so working, much. yeah, oh, it's so much. It's hard. Like I should be getting paid more right? for this. <laughs> yeah. And so the part of you that hates that is the it's what's called the lesser man, right? It's the lower part of you, the animalistic part of you that doesn't want to work, that doesn't want to think about the future, right. that just wants to lay uh, lay about on the beach and and the sip, fuck out of here, yeah, and sip my ties and yeah. play video games <laughs> and do drugs yeah. and drink at the bar. That's like, like a blunt. Yeah, that's the animalistic part of you, the lower self, right. the lesser man. Right. Right? So that part of you hates that. They, it hates that you have to work. And so that part of you wants to take the illuminator, the, the person that understands that work is freeing, the, the part of you that, that wants to work towards being more knowledgeable and being more wise and chain him to a wall, <laughs> you know, set him aside, uh, put him in a jail cell, if you will, you know, so yeah. that you would just go and be lazy and lay on the beach all the time you know? <laughs> and, and uh, pursue 
uh, impulsive pleasure mm-hmm. because that's yeah. what that lesser part of you wants to do. It mm-hmm. wants to pursue impulsive pleasure. It doesn't want to work. It doesn't want to think about the future. It doesn't no. want to, you know, we've all encountered this. Yeah, definitely. You, I mean, oh, I know you've encountered oh, it. Dude. I've encountered it. When I work hard, there is a part of me that's like, God, why am I working so damn hard? Why am I getting, I should be getting paid more for this. Yeah. yeah. And so every time you slack off at work, uh-huh. every time you don't do everything you could be doing, every time you don't do your job to the very best of your ability, every time you call in when really you're not sick yeah, or, yeah. You know, and there's not really anything wrong, right? every time you slough off, that's the lesser you, the lower part of you chaining the Prometheus in you to the wall, mm-hmm. right? Yep. You got to think about it like that. The lesser part of you is going to try to chain that higher part of you mm-hmm. to the wall because it, it's, working is hard. Yeah. And it hurts. Mm-hmm. And it's not fun. No. You know? So it's going to try to chain that part of you to the wall. That's what that part of the story means. Okay. And, and it's the same with the story of Hiram Abiff and the story of Orpheus. These illuminators are attacked by lesser men, people who are. Who are uh, who want in the story of Hiram Abiff? It's men who want his knowledge without having to put in the work to get it. They just want him to tell them, oh. like tell us, tell us about your deeds, tell us, so really? that we can have the knowledge. And they end up killing him with the very instruments that he gave them to uh, to do their work. He was a a mason. Okay. Uh, he he built the the Temple of Solomon or designed the Temple of Solomon. Okay. And uh, in the story, he's killed by these three men that want his knowledge but don't want to have to put in the work of the personal experience to get the knowledge. In the story of Orpheus, he's killed by um, these nymphs who are they, – they're mad because he was in love with a woman that he lost. She, he tried to save her from the underworld, but he couldn't. Okay. Um, and he wouldn't – he essentially wouldn't have sex with them. <laughs> and they were <laughs> they were upset about that, and they wanted they wanted his very being. They wanted him, right, you know? right. And he wouldn't give himself to him freely, right. And so they were upset about it. So they rip him to pieces, right? They tear him apart. Wow. They, they actually take his head and rip it off his shoulders. Shit. But his head survives, kind of. Uh, his head gets caught up in a river and then washes up, and or is uh, caught in uh, in between two rocks. And a snake tries to eat his head, and uh, Apollo. Saves his head, which Apollo is the sun god, the illuminator, right. right, the bringer of light, which light is consciousness. Think about it. It's the illumination. It's consciousness. Right. Right. Because you're awake during the day. Yeah. Right. So light and consciousness are connected in the ancient mind. Makes sense. Yeah. To the ancient mind, light and consciousness were synonymous. Right. Right. So Apollo saves the head and the head continues to tell prophecies and spout wisdom and knowledge all on its own. Wow. Yeah. And so this is, it's again, it's trying to tell you that even when the higher part of yourself, the illuminator, the lover of wisdom, which by the way, that's the word philosophy. Mm-hmm. It means lover of wisdom. Okay. All right. Lover of wisdom. Wow. Yes. I didn't know that. The lover of wisdom philosophy. within you. Philosophy. Gotcha. The philosopher within you, the lover of wisdom, the lover of knowledge, the one that understands that hard work is the key to meaning and the key to a good life. Right. Even if they get chained to the wall, even if it gets torn apart, even if it gets destroyed or locked away, right. a part of it still survives and it's always whispering in your ear. Mm-hmm. You know, always there, always there mm-hmm. reminding you. In the story of uh, Prometheus, he screams when he's up on the wall. He, you know, and of course when Hercules runs across him, you know, he's screaming at Hercules, like, right. "Help me, save me!" Yeah, and that's that that higher part of yourself, the illuminator, that's within you. It's always crying out to you, 
always. Let me free. Let me free. And so what happens is Hercules frees him. Now Hercules, again, Hercules is the hero that is within us all. The mm-hmm. one that faces the, the unknown and defeats the unknown. The one that goes about the trials of life uh, that are so difficult that they're thought to be impossible. Right. Right? And he defeats those trials. So that's the hero within all of us. Right. Again, you know, these stories, when these people wrote these stories down, they didn't have science. They didn't have empirical terminology. Yeah. They, had, they had metaphor. They had allegory. They had romantic overture, you know, yeah. and that's how they, they, you know, Hercules is the, the hero within all of us. That's what Hercules is. Mm-hmm. You know, whether or not the guy actually lived and did any, any of this stuff doesn't matter. Yeah. It yeah, doesn't yeah, yeah. matter. No. Because the, the true, point. the true meaning of this, the exoteric, excuse me, the esoteric meaning of this is that Hercules resides within you. Right. Resides within me. Right. Resides within every human being that has ever lived. Right. Right. And so Hercules, the hero within you, can liberate the illuminator, can liberate Prometheus from the wall. Mm-hmm. Right. So that you can again be, live a life full of meaning and fulfillment. That you can, uh, that you can uh, focus on your work. Right. And and become a better person, a more a more fulfilled person. Right, so the hero within you, the one that's willing to face the unknown and the darkness, the one that's willing to go out and fight the monsters, that's the one that can liberate the illuminator within your own mind that's been chained to the wall. Mm. Right, and so, and and most of us do it. We slack off, we get lazy, we chain Prometheus to the wall. Right, Mm -hmm. but the illuminator, but the hero within you can free Prometheus, can free the illuminator. Right, mm-hmm. just like in the story of Horus and Osiris, Horus frees his father, who, right. is, who is you know pretty much trapped, right. you know, uh, and and so that's that's what the story is trying to tell you is that there's a hero within you, the part Find of you that, that's <laughs> yeah that's willing to face the darkness, face the unknown, face the hardship of life, that can that can free the illuminator that is within you as mm-hmm. well. The, the lover of wisdom, the lover of knowledge, right? And so find that hero within you and, and go face the unknown forthrightly, do it courageously, go out there and work as hard as you possibly can. And you will free the Prometheus within you, right? The illuminator. The and, you, and you feel it too, yes. right? You can feel it. That's that feeling you Absolutely. get to where you're working as hard as you can. You get that feeling. You like, get in that groove, you know, people call it being in the zone. Yeah. Everybody knows what it's like to be in the zone. Yep. Yep. Right? That's what it's like when you're in the zone. You freed the illuminator. You freed Prometheus, the spirit of mankind that it, that illuminates us with wisdom and knowledge that gives us the ability to work hard and make something of ourselves mm-hmm. instead of, you know, being backward savages throwing rocks at each other. <laughs> you yep. know? Damn right. And, and like I said before, your, your charge to work is a divine charge given to you by the gods or by God or by the structure of reality, however you want to think about it. It doesn't matter. It's a divine charge. Mm-hmm. And it is the Prometheus within you that gives you the ability to understand this, right. to understand that work is your liberation. Mm-hmm. It is not your enslavement. No. It is your liberation. Mm-hmm. Right? And so the hero within you, the Hercules within you, can free the illuminator and and make the illuminator apparent in your life. You can then live your life as the illuminator. 
right? right. Now, remember, I told you he, he when he frees uh, Prometheus, he takes Prometheus down and puts Chiron uh-huh. up there. Now, Chiron was a centaur. Centaurs were half man, half horse. Mm-hmm. This, again, the esoteric meaning of this is that Chiron is the lesser man. Right, Chiron is the lower self, the the self that that you know that wants to shoot up the school whenever somebody picks on you, yeah. the the, uh, the uh, part of you that wants to, or the yeah the part of you that wants to like key your boyfriend's car <laughs> if you're if you're a woman or hell you be a man it do doesn't whatever. matter I guess the, 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 wants to key your your significant other's car if you will right, when they cheat go. on you right uh, the part of you that wants to burn the office building down because your boss got onto you right. right the part of you that wants to pursue impulsive pleasure the part of you that wants to ignore knowledge and ignore wisdom mm-hmm. the part of you that is animalistic right all right the part of you that would just wants it doesn't want to clean your house and just wants to live in filth because it's easier mm-hmm. that's what centaurs represent okay. they were they were part animal part man it's the it's the beast within us mm-hmm. right so what does hercules do he chains the beast to the wall and frees prometheus so how does the hero save the illuminators save the the part of you that understands that work is your liberation the genius within us all he does it by sacrificing the lesser man Mm -hmm. the animalistic part of you and chains him to the wall now this was hard for hercules because chiron was his surrogate father Mm. he loved chiron and it broke his heart that he put chiron in that comatose state and even even if chiron was in that comatose state it still had to hurt him to chain him to a wall where an eagle would come. Well, I don't know. Hercules, Hercules killed the eagle. So never mind. Forget the eagle. <laughs> to chain him to the wall. It still had to hurt him to do that. Yeah. And it's going to hurt for you to sacrifice the animalistic side of yourself. It's going to hurt. Right. All right. Because everybody wants to be lazy. We all want to be lazy. You know? Definitely. We all want to sit around and do nothing. It's fun. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> you know? It's we, we all want to sit around and drink and, and smoke and and go chase women and if mm-hmm. you're if you're a woman go chase men you know or maybe or other women who both knows and both, whatever. yeah, yeah. You know? swingers go what yeah, yeah you know it's, we, we all want to sit on their beach with our with our toes in the sand with umbrella drink in hand you know <laughs> yeah. like we all want to sit around and do nothing it's fun it mm-hmm. can be fun I, i'm telling you nobody loves video games more than me i love video games not modern video games they're terrible yeah they are but and but I mean, I do. I love Dead Space. Yeah. I could sit and play Dead Space one, two, and three over and over and over <laughs> again for the rest of my life. Damn. You know, yeah. I, I could sit and play uh, XCOM and oh, XCOM two. Game. I did play those over and over I and over again for the rest of my life. I could play Final Fantasy seven over and over and over again for the rest of my life. That's the centaur within me, the lesser man. Right. You have to take that lesser man and chain him to the wall and free Prometheus. Because when you free Prometheus, your your potential becomes limitless. Right, because you don't mind working hard, because you understand working hard is liberating, it's freeing, it gives you the ability to do anything and everything. You know? But, That's true. But when you're when you're stuck in that lesser man mentality, when you're stuck in that animalistic bestial mentality, you're not you're not gonna ever reach your full potential. Mm-hmm. You're, not. you're never gonna you're never gonna be what you could be. You're never gonna have the the ability to do great things. Look at all the great people that ever lived throughout the history of mankind. They worked all the time. And they accomplished great things that most people could never even dream of accomplishing. 
right? Guys like Winston Churchill, mm-hmm. guys like yep. Abraham Lincoln, sure guys like George Washington, right? Yep. I mean, and the list goes on and on. We could sit here and list great men oh, yeah. forever. We Even, you know, day. guys like you talk about 50 Cent a lot. Yeah. That guy works all the time. That's all he does. I don't think he ever right? sleeps. And that's that's why he's so free. Yeah. That's why he's accomplished so much is because he works all the time. Floyd Mayweather. Yep. Floyd Mayweather. Works I love him. constantly. Yep. All right? Take care of his body. Yes. And they, they're able to accomplish things that most of us could never dream of accomplishing simply because we haven't liberated the Prometheus within us. Right. We haven't taken and chained that lesser man, that Chiron, to the wall and freed the Prometheus that lives within us all. Mm-hmm. And that's the esoteric meaning of the story. That's why I love these stories. That their meaning is so much deeper than people give them credit for. They think they're just stupid tales that, that backwards people used to tell each other to entertain each other. No, 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 no. These stories taught us how to live, how to be prosperous, how to liberate the, our full potential that was chained to the wall, you know? Yep. It's so true, dude. So true. It's... It's amazing to me that these stories now are are ignored, but they shouldn't. It really they shouldn't is. Be. They absolutely shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. And if you read these stories right, if you read them the way they're meant to be read, they can free you. They can free you, man. Yep. Like, these stories are way ahead of their time, man. Oh yeah. Even we're not even that time now. Yep. We're not even right? ready for that now. Yeah. When I say they're ahead of the time, I mean this is going to be fifty years from now. It's going to be big, you know. I mean, even I. I I don't know. I don't, I don't know that that the mass majority of people are ready for, or will ever be ready for these stories. I got you. I see what you're saying. I think they're only ready for those who are who want uh, to be ready. Okay. You know that makes sense. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Totally. You know, so, man, if, if these stories have intrigued you, if the message of this episode has intrigued mm. you, go pick up Hesiod's Works Please. Days and I'm going to pick it up myself. I know that for a fact no. right now. I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to order on Amazon tonight. Yeah. Works Days and Theogony by Hesiod. Gods and Heroes of Ancient Greece by Gustav Schwab. Mm-hmm. And it has, I mean, the, the Gods and Heroes of Ancient Greece by Gustav Schwab has, like, most of Greek mythology. That's awesome, dude. It's not That's all awesome. of it, but it's a lot of it. That's and, awesome. And some of it is, is Roman mythology right. as well. That's, but it's normal. About right. Yeah. Uh, if, if these kinds of things intrigue you, pick up these stories. I mean, and there's also other stories. The story of Horus and Osiris. The story of Orpheus. The story of Hiram Abiff. Mm-hmm. Uh, the story of Hercules, which, by the way, the story of Hercules is in Gods and Heroes right, right. of Ancient Greece, the whole thing. And the story of Hercules, it's a big story. It's a long story. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, it spans across two stories, though. It's the story of Hercules and the story of Jason and the Argonauts, because Hercules was a big part of that as well. Um, so, uh, yeah, you, you definitely got to pick up those books and read them. They will teach you how to be a better person, how to be the kind of person that can accomplish things that other people could never dream of accomplishing. Right. That's a real thing, man. You can save as much money as you want, as much as you make anyway. Save it, man. That I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to those books, honestly. I really am. Yeah. I, I, Very interesting stuff, man. Yeah, Very man. interesting stuff right there. Yeah, this this way ahead of its time. Like you said, I don't think no one like, – you're right. No one will probably never be here ready for this ever yeah the vast majority ever. of people will probably and dude as well as i you know as well as i understand these stories because i've read them over and over and over right again, i'm still learning things about them yeah and i will probably be learning things about them for the rest of my yeah, life yeah you're gonna learn something new in 20 years that you probably saw in that yeah. book 20 years ago exactly you're be like whoa i never there's so much information yeah man these stories are so intense 
and they're so full of knowledge. Like mm-hmm. you could probably never learn it all. You know? <laughs> wow. You know what we didn't do this episode? What didn't we do this we episode? We didn't introduce ourselves. We didn't say I don't even think we said the they name know who of the we show. Are. <laughs> they know who we are. I don't even think we said the name of the show. <laughs> I mean we said the exchange, you know. This is the Corpus Christi <laughs> Coastal Bent. Uh, and I'm your host, Scott Brooks. And Jeffrey Delgado yeah, here. Yes. Sorry, two hours later ish. <laughs> two and a yeah. half almost. Oh, Ooh. damn. Where are we? How are we? I didn't keep track of time. Oh, I, I said, we started at 7.20. I didn't even keep track so, of time. At 7.20 we started. So almost two and a half hours, eight minutes till. So anyway, it's Jeff oh, got Scott man. Brooks. Yeah, we are we are on We're just excited. YouTube. <laughs> we are on Anchor. Google Podcasts. We're on Anchor. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Breaker. We're Radio on Radio Public. Public. Yep. Uh, man, Breaker. Got Breaker, yeah. Yeah, we are... We're on multiple platforms, and we're trying to get more. Yep. Uh, this show is growing. It's expanding. We're putting more and more work into it because work sets you free. Oh, just like the truth. <laughs> just like the truth yes. shall set you free. Work sets you free. <laughs> oh, man. Guys, I, I hope you all really enjoyed this episode. This is one of my very favorite episodes to do. Oh, me too. We went back and forth on this yeah, one. Yeah, we had a lot of fun, man. I hope uh, future episodes continue to get better. Oh, they will. And, and I'm sure they will. Oh, I'm yeah. sure as we do this, we're, we're going to keep getting better. Keep getting better. Man, you know what? I'm going to do something out of the ordinary in this episode, actually. What? I'm going to do something. I'm going to request what – I mean, I know we still probably need a part to this one, but I want to request what our next actual full episode is going to be about. I want to do conspiracy theories, dude. I want to oh do them. We could go down so many rabbit holes. Exactly. Tupac, Kurt Cobain. Oh my Even God. back then, we can go. I can oh go. We can go with the Sandy Hook thing, which I think we disagree on that, but that's another story. You'll probably hear about that for an hour or two or three or four. Uh, uh, the George Bush. Th- I mean, like, you, 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 who put on it? You actually put something that I, I didn't think about till now. You said something earlier that about the women having. You noticed CNBC said that quote. You know, CNBC was the same people who said that this election might be rigged. Oh my God! If you really think about it, they the same one that said that quote. Now that I think about it, they're yeah. the same one that said this election might. I think Hillary Clinton won. And Trump rigged this. Uh, they're the same people. If you think about it, that's weird, isn't it? No coincidence. No coincidence. I, I mean, I don't know. I can't confirm that, but if they did, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I'm, I'm sure it was them. I'm pretty sure it was them. I wouldn't be surprised if CNBC said that. I, I'm, um, pre- no, well, I'm not saying they said that, they, but they definitely wanted to investigate it. Like They didn't yeah. actually say those words, like he rigged it, but yeah. like they were like, well, this may have happened. Well, the, the Russian collusion narrative has been and going more than on. one episode, more than one news. Per, per, yeah. It was just oh, CNBC. No. Don't get me wrong. The, Rus- the Russian collusion uh, narrative has been going on for two years straight. Right. And it's funny because like all of it's been refuted. Right. Like, every single bit of it. I'm not the biggest fan of Trump, but it's obvious he wasn't working with Rus- Russia. It's no, it's obvious. Obvious. He wasn't. No, not at all. He was not at all. Anyone thinks that it was. Yeah, you're just trying to find a reason because he was not right. working. No, with what them at this all. is is a bunch of people that were upset that Trump got elected, and they wanted to find any excuse they could to. And he happened to be running as a woman, woman at the time, which is even worse for him, I think. Running as a oh, running, running against for, against a woman, running yeah, 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 against yeah, yeah. a woman. Yeah, I don't think he was ever a woman. Yeah, <laughs> I don't like to touch him. Yeah, but he was sorry. he was running against a woman, and yeah, that didn't no, help his story at all. Yeah, and so yeah, these people were upset that because they thought. 
that Hillary was going to win it in a landslide. They thought Hillary was a slam dunk, and she wasn't because she was a terrible candidate. She, she was. She went on record calling people who didn't want to vote for her in the basket of uh, saying they were in the basket of deplorables. You know, if you want to, if you want to lose an election real fast, call fifty percent of the country deplorable. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> for real. For yeah. real. Call fifty percent of the country deplorable. That lost my interest in her real quick. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do that and watch yourself lose an election but you know, so fast. But you know what? People that make up their minds before they even hear the fucking two sides of the store are fucking idiots. You know what I mean? No, you're absolutely right. They're fucking idiots. No, but that's that's exactly what happened. These people, they were saying like, oh, you know, he definitely colluded with Russia without any kind of real investigation being done, without any facts to back it up. They were like, oh, no, it's definitely – oh, it absolutely happened. It right. absolutely happened. Right. And they've been proven grievously wrong. It's It's been actually absolutely hilarious to me to watch these people get proven wrong, and now they're throwing fits like children, you know. Because they just can't stand the fact that Trump actually legitimately won the election. You right, know. right. He legitimately won. We have right. an electoral college in this country, and thank God we do, because it keeps the mob from ruling the country. Direct democracy would be an absolute travesty, and it has been throughout history. Mm-hmm. Just look at the history of Greece. They did things with direct democracy, and it destroyed their country. So thank God we have an electoral college that can keep the mob from ruling. Right. The electoral college cast their votes based on our votes, and Trump won. Get over it. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, in my part anyway on this. Uh, so, you being a comedian, I think I've talked to you about this. I'm a big Chris Rock fan, huge Chris Rock fan. Yeah. So this is one thing. This is a quote from Chris Rock. Uh, that, um, that no normal decent person is one thing. Okay? Question mark. I've got some shit I'm conservative about. I've got some shit I'm liberal about. Crime. I'm conservative. Prostitution. I'm liberal. Yeah. No, and that's that's actually the vast majority of America. Right. The vast majority of America, despite what you see on social media, we're we're middle of the road kind of people. Right. Some issues we're conservative, some, some issues middle. we're liberal. But that's my point. If you make your decision before you even hear the fucking facts, you're stupid as fuck. Absolutely. I hate Absolutely. To cuss on the show, but <laughs> <laughs> it's been done before. Well, I mean, we're on the internet. <laughs> we don't okay. have to worry about the FCC. No, I know, but still. Let's yeah. do it done before, not the first time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't have to worry about the FCC. And you know what, cussing, I mean, it's become a lot more, or a lot less taboo. I mean, look at guys like Joe Rogan. He has oh, yeah. the most listened to podcasts on the internet. Dude drops F-bombs all no, the time. Of every, you know. Word. And so it, it's, it, people our age are not offended by no, cussing. No, 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 not at all. You know, now not people older than us, like my our parents' generation, oh my God, they think, you know, that you just like kicked a baby or something. <laughs> <You know? laughs> oh God, that's bad. Yeah. Damn. Uh, oh, 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 we didn't even get to the story of Bill Morgan. We, we you know what? I'm going to get to the story. We got time? No, yeah, I'm going to get to the story. I'm not letting this go. We got plenty I'm of time. not letting this go. So Bill Morgan is a fellow Texan. I mean, not really. He's not from Texas. He's from Poland. Okay. But uh, Bill Morgan is a really great example as to how work can liberate you. How work can be your liberator. Mm-hmm. How work can set you free. Here's a really good example of it. So this comes from thisiscapitalism.com, which is another really great uh, website to follow. Follow them on social media. Follow them online. Thisiscapitalism.com. Really great site. So they've got this story up on Bill Morgan. Bill Morgan was born in 1925. Wolf 
Yosela Margulis. <laughs> right? I guess. I don't, I don't know if that's how you say that. I probably butchered the hell out of his surname. <laughs> All right. Uh, he was born in Poland uh, to a poverty-stricken area. Bill Morgan grew up uh, poor on a level most Americans simply could not understand. Mm. Right? The kind of poor that we don't have a concept of. Right? We, we can't. You, you only read about this kind of poor in books or hear about it in documentaries. We, we don't have this kind of poor in this country. All right. All right. And like the, Thailand type stuff. Uh, yeah, kind of like, okay. like that. Like okay. third world poor. I got you. All right. Uh, so when the Nazis invaded Poland, his entire family was moved to a ghetto, which that's what the Nazis did to Jews. They moved them in ghettos, and then they took them out of the ghettos and put them in the death camps, uh, the concentration camps. So... Uh, Bill fled the ghetto alone with his father's blessing, telling him uh, when and his father told him, "If you survive, we'll meet in heaven, and you can tell me all about it." So his father knew they were all going to die. Mm-hmm. He knew it. Right. He said, "If you make it, we'll meet in heaven. You, you can tell me all about it." Uh, and this was 1941. His family does not survive. The Nazis kill them all. All right. Um, Bill lives under a Christian alias. Uh, when the Russians invaded and took over Poland, he, w- he was conscripted into the Russian military. Bill fled to Germany, which is funny because, you know, like, he fled from the Germans right, in Poland. Right, That is funny. Right? And then he flees the Russians by going to Germany. Right. Right? Uh, so he fled to Germany. He befriends a group of Jewish smugglers and survives as a smuggler until he eventually immigrates to the U.S. under the sponsorship of a shoe store owner in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. This is 1949. Bill worked at his sponsor's shop and taught himself English watching Roy Rogers, a popular television show at the time. Now, I remember Roy Rogers because my grandfather or my grandmother was a big fan of Westerns mm-hmm. and she watched a lot of Roy Rogers. Oh, yeah. so it's, it's a Western show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he taught himself English watching television. Wow. Right? He moved to Houston and became a shoe salesman, saving the majority of his money. Bill bought a diner in Houston in 1952, legally changed his name to William Jacob Morgan in 1953. He sold the cafe the same year, bought a refrigerated truck, and became a meat distributor. After saving enough money, he built a meat packing company. Bill sold the meat packing company and bought land, building a duplex. They're building duplexes on the lot. This eventually grew into what is today Morgan Inc., a $2.5 billion construction company. He's, I'm going to quote Bill Morgan here. I've done so much without education, money, or relatives, but it kept on working, working, working. In 1989, Bill is instrumental in the building of the Holocaust Museum, the one in Houston. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he said, I wanted to get rid of hate in people's hearts and replace it with love. Every year we do something charitable, and it's to thank this great country for giving me the opportunity to make something out of myself. Bill's son. Uh, I'm going to quote Bill's son here. And that's one thing about capitalism. The better you do, the better the community does. In uh, entrepreneurialism and capitalism and all the liberties that we have in America is what makes this country great. My father is just living proof of that. Mm. Bill Morgan, here's a guy who fled socialism on two fronts. Which, by the way, the Nazis were socialists, if you didn't know. I know there's a lot of people, no, they were fascists. They were fascists. Yeah, they were socialists. National Socialist Workers, or German Workers Party. That's what Nazi stands for. It's an acronym. It stands for National Socialist German Workers Party. They were socialists. So he flees socialism in Poland. Mm -hmm. 
the Russians conscript him. He frees Russian socialism, which communism is just socialism on a grand scale. So he flees socialism twice, and he comes to America where capitalism is king. Right, and he flourishes immediately. Starts working at a shoe shop. Shoe shop works his way up from the bottom. Buys a diner. Buys a, a refrigeration truck. Buys a meat packing plant. Buys land. Builds duplexes, and eventually builds a two and a half billion dollar company. And once he becomes a millionaire, right? So the company's worth billions of dollars, right. which means he's worth millions. Right. Right. So he becomes a millionaire. What does he do? He gives back to the community. This is something we talked about in episode one point two. Yeah. Where when it, whenever people in America get rich, what do they do? They give get back, back. because they, they feel like they have to. They feel compelled to do so. Um, there's something that just bubbles up inside of them. So what does he do? He gives to charity every year. He builds the Holocaust Museum and continues to give to charity. Mm-hmm. He the dude's in his 90s, I do believe, maybe late 80s. Uh, and he wow. still gives money still to charity. It. And I guarantee his children will too. His son and yeah. his kids' kids will continue to give to charity because they've got the example of their grandfather and their fathers right. who give to charity constantly. They're going to do it. I mean, it's, it's such an inspiring story. It's like, don't you understand? Don't you understand? Socialism is poisonous and evil. <laughs> yeah, know? it is. And capitalism can make a man like Bill Morgan who who – was born into abject poverty, a, a level of poverty we Americans don't understand. Mm-hmm. Right, born into abject poverty, came over here and built a two and a half billion dollar company. Mm. Don't you understand? Work will set you free. Definitely, it will set you free. And oh, Bill Morgan is a living example of that. And you can look Bill Morgan up. He's a resident of Houston. Uh, he's the founder of Morgan Inc. One of the largest construction companies in the United States. I mean, Bill Morgan is—he's he's a success. He's a success story that that will inspire you to work just right. as hard as he did. Wow, that's awesome. I mean, it does me. Like every Hopefully time, it I, does. Yeah, every time I read the story of Bill Morgan, I feel like a bitch. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I, I, I got to work harder, man. Yeah, got to work harder. This guy had nothing. Yeah. And he built himself up to a two and a half billion dollar company. What? What That's am crazy. I doing with my life? Yeah. <laughs> you know? He did something right. Absolutely. He did something right. And it all was made available. It was made possible because he freed the Prometheus within him. He chained that that Chiron, that lesser man, that the the part of him that wanted to that wanted to lounge around all day and do nothing. He chained that to the wall. Right. He sacrificed the lower part of himself, the bestial man, and he freed the Prometheus within him. And it gave him the ability to work so hard he could build a two and a half billion dollar company, baby. Wow. That's awesome, dude. That's inspiring. Absolutely. That's so inspiring. And this is why I endorse the hell out of This Is Capitalism because This Is Capitalism, that website, thisiscapitalism.com, right, right, right. is full of stories like that. Really? It's full of these stories. So go to thisiscapitalism.com. Follow them on social media. They're on Facebook. They're on Twitter. They're on Instagram. They're on all of it. And you follow them because they're going to they're gonna show you that work will set you free. Mm-hmm. Right? It sure will. Uh, and also follow humanprogress.org. Follow humanprogress.org. I've, I've been following that. That's a great website, by yeah. the way. I've been following that Humanprogress.org yeah. is another really good one to follow. Awesome. Awesome follow stuff. Stephen Pinker. Read his book, Enlightenment Now, The Case for Reason, Science, Humanism, and Progress, or something like that. 
Look up Jordan B. Peterson, yeah, please. Dr. Jordan B. Peterson. Dr. Jordan B. Peterson, yes, yes. another really good one to look up. Oh, yeah, I actually found out. Remember I was saying, like, I don't know if Steven Pinker's a doctor? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is. He is. Okay. Yeah. I, I kind of figured. Yeah, he is. Okay. Uh, I actually heard uh, uh, Dr. Jordan B. Peterson talking about him, and he, he called him Dr. Pinker. Oh, did he really? Okay. Yeah, he said, okay. Dr. Pinker, you know, and I was like, oh, so okay. he, has, he does have a doctor. I mean, I know he's got nine honorary doctorates. Right, right, But right. honorary doctorates, you know, like, I don't know if you get the title of doctor for having an honorary. Right, right. But yeah, he he is a doctor. Okay. So I mean, I guess we should call him Doctor Stephen Pinker, though he never puts the doctor beside he his name. He doesn't. I never he seen never him. No, how think about every time I look him up, even on YouTube, I never see Doctor Just Stephen Pinker. He maybe doesn't want that title. Yeah, maybe he doesn't. You know, he's one of those like I'm chilling, bro. Know, I'm not worried about being called yeah, a doctor. I know what I am. You know. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, look up Dr. Jordan B. Peterson, look up Dr. Pinker, look up capitalism, or this is capitalism, look up humanprogress.org, follow these organizations, they're going to give you a better outlook on life, they're going to help you defeat nihilism, and understand that the world's getting better each and every single day, and the world's getting better because more and more people are freeing the Prometheus within them, they're finding the hero within themselves, they're facing the unknown forthrightly, they're freeing the Prometheus within themselves, and they're they're getting to work, right? They're right. being liberated by their work. And more and more people do this, the better the world's going to get. Right. And you can contribute too. You can contribute by getting to work. And it doesn't matter what your work is. It's a divine charge given to you by the gods. Mop those floors. Scrub those dishes. Sweep, yep. Yeah, sweep that floor. Work that register like, like God's roof, yeah. watching you, you yeah. know? Like God's watching you. I mean, you know, uh, there's a uh, there's a Bible quote on that. There's actually quite a few Bible quotes on mm-hmm. hard work. Um, there is. Actually. Let me let me go ahead and read off some of these that are they're really good. Colossians three twenty three. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Proverbs thirteen four. The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the slow the while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. Proverbs fourteen twenty three. In all toil there is profit, but mere talk tends only to poverty. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. 2 Thessalonians 3.10 through 12, for even when we were with you, you would give, whoa, for even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not to busy at work, but busybodies. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. Proverbs 16.3, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. Philippians 2.14-15, do all things without grumbling or questioning that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as a light in as lights in the world. 1 Corinthians 10:31 So wherever you eat and drink or whatever you do do all to the glory of God. Proverbs 12:24 The hand of the diligent will rule while the slothful will be put to forced labor. I could go on and on and on and on. Galatians, 2 Timothy, Titus, Ephesians, Proverbs, Proverbs, Genesis, Jeremiah, Acts. The Bible is full of all of these these gems of wisdom about how hard work will free you. It will make your life better mm-hmm. because we were built to work, baby. So we better we better get to work. Right. You know, 
or else we're just going to be eaten alive by neuroticism and nihilism. That's what happens when you don't work. I talked about that on the, the Roll the Dice podcast about how when you don't work, when you don't fulfill the divine charge of work, your body punishes you with neurochemicals that bring about uh, nihilism, neuroticism, depression, anxiety, right? To try to motivate you to get up and do something for mm-hmm. Christ's sake. Do something. Right. right. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And, and it's just sad how many people our age, they're just not getting this damn message. They think life is all about play. They think it's all about just sitting around and having a good time, playing video games. That's yeah. not what life is about. No, can't be. It's about work, baby. Mm-hmm. It's yep. about work. So get, Hustle, hustle, hustle hard. Exactly. So get to work. Hustle. All right, folks. I think that's all we got for you. What were we at? Uh, two hours and 39 minutes. That's a pretty good one. Two hours and 39 yeah. minutes. Yep. All right, folks, that's it for this episode of the Corpus Christi Coastal Bent. I'm your host, Scott Brooks, with my wonderful co-host. Jeffrey Delgado. All right, folks, we're going to see you next time. Uh, The next episode, I think we're going to get into the story of Horus and Osiris into the uh, Enuma Elish. Hmm. Um, so there's more to that story. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We're going to get more into those and about how, uh, how you go about living life successfully. Mm-hmm. In those stories, they, they teach you, they teach human beings how to be successful, how to, how to successfully govern reality, how to successfully turn chaos into order, because that's what we as human beings do. Definitely. You know, we turn chaos into order and it's all about, it's all about aiming, taking aim at a goal and striking that goal, hitting it, hitting what you aim at. We're obsessed with hitting what we aim at. Think about all sports. All sports are identifying a target, aiming at it, and hitting it. Right. Baseball, football, basketball. That's all they do. Yeah, yeah. You know. Throw on point, shoot on point, hit on point. And we pay hundreds of dollars to go to these sports events and watch these people aim at a target and hit it. Yeah, pretty much. You know, because we're obsessed with it. It's what we do. Boxing even, I mean. Yeah, aim at a target, hit it. Yep, the face is the target, happens to be. Yeah, and and not just that, like even like macro targets. So the target is to knock out the opponent or to win on the scorecard. So how you aim at that target, knock out the opponent, or win on the scorecard, and you try your very best to hit that target. All right, so we're going to focus on those the next episode. Maybe, Definitely. I don't know. Who knows we'll what, see. what we'll might see come what we out, do. you know? Yeah. <laughs> As you know, we're very, uh, once a controversial, we're very random. Yeah, yeah. Not uh, random, but we'll throw it out there for you. Right? We'll throw something out there for you that you didn't expect. All right, so check Always. us out on YouTube. Please. Uh, all the links to the other platforms that we're on are going to be on the YouTube video, as well as links to all of the uh, references, all the news yes. stories that I read off, all the, the mythological stories, everything. I'm going to have links up so you can go read this stuff yourself. I'm not making it up, I promise. Uh, also, you can catch us on all the other platforms that we're on. The links will be on the YouTube video. Uh, you can also check us out at anchor.fm slash bent. Uh, it's a good way to get all, and you can actually, if you have the Anchor app, you can leave us a voice message, and we might just play those voice messages on the show. Mm. So yeah, give that a shot if yep. you if you dare. Before I take <laughs> these headphones off, I'm going to say one thing: stay positive, as I always end the show with. Absolutely, we'll catch y'all later. We'll have another episode up next week. We are signing off. Thank y'all so much for listening. Peace. Until next time. <laughs>